Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by a special guest, Sir John Kincaid, up there now in Philadelphia. John, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm in my hometown, and it took a. Uh, my life took me to Atlanta for 26 years, and it was awesome, but uh, it's fun being back home. It's as if I'm reuniting myself with my hometown. What was the weirdest part for you going back home? Is that so much of my hometown had stayed the same. Hmm. So much of like where I went to a large high school, large parochial Catholic high school. We had a thousand kids in my graduating class. And... They had a said, oh, we're going to get some people together and have a happy hour. Uh, you're coming home. So it was my first month being home. And we had like 160 people. That's <laughs> and wild. It's just weird. And that's bigger than some people senior classes. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird that just so much of my hometown has sort of stayed the same, mm-hmm. though, though it feels mighty different. But it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing to be home and to do my job in my hometown where I never did. I never, you know, really got to do it. I started out my career here, but just as a part-timer to get to do this job in my hometown is freaking amazing. I just got to tell you. Cause you started in what jewelry, if I remember correctly. No, I was in, uh, I was in like the healthcare industry and then Uh consulting. And then, uh, but I, but I always worked in sports and radio. Okay. And I started my career part-time at WIP in Philadelphia. And then the world has a strange thing. It took me to Atlanta. I went for business. And then everything everything just turned out the way it did. What What do you miss most about being back home in Atlanta? Or being uh, back in, in Atlanta? Atlanta? Yeah. My wife and daughter, because my daughter is a senior at Marist. So she has not moved up yet. We weren't going to move her. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, during her, you know, she when 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 everything went down in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, it was half it was halfway through her junior year, and the one thing my wife and I said is we're going to sacrifice for her mm-hmm. because I wasn't moving around to Maris. She's an exceptional student. Uh, she and I was like, I'm not going to disrupt her life like that. So my wife and I made the sacrifice to be apart for 17 months, and it's not easy. But we are within. Well, now we got like four and a half months to go, so it's not that bad. How like so? How does that work? Uh, not to dive too much into I that. I fly but, back and yeah. forth. Okay. Uh, how about this? Everybody at the Delta Philadelphia <laughs> to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Some of the pilots even know me now. I guess <laughs> they must have the they. A lot of them must fly the same route, and I fly on Fridays. So maybe a lot of them are from Atlanta and they want to come home. Mm. So they're coming home on Friday afternoon. So I run into a lot of the same pilots, flight attendants, uh, gate agents in Philly all know me. And now a lot of them are getting to know me from my radio show. So like, it's fun. It's great. But I got to tell you, I love, you know, I love Atlanta, love the people in Atlanta, love my time there, but I just can't wait to get my girls to Philadelphia and, uh, and get settled up here. Oh, so she, is she going, has she already figured out the college situation? Is she going somewhere in Temple or something? She's got a lot of, she has a lot of offers on the table. Mm-hmm. She's got some Southern offers on the table. Okay. Uh, full rides, honors programs. She's very bright, unlike her father, mm-hmm. who never had offers like that coming out of high school. She's really bright. She's going to make a decision. But I do believe 
she's going to pick a Northeast school. Okay. Uh, I told her if uh, it can't be Villanova, <laughs> uh, she's not allowed to go to Villanova. Uh, and uh, if she goes to Syracuse, it'll break my heart. Mm-hmm. But all those things are on the table. Who knows? That's exciting. That's exciting. It does is. she want to follow in your footsteps? No, she does not. She okay. wants to. Uh, she wants to be in some sort of though marketing advertising field. Mm-hmm. But she also thinks she would like to go to law school. Okay. Because she is going to have with her AP credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marist is so rigorous that she pretty much is going to go into if she goes to a state school or anything like that. She's almost going to go in. She's going to go in one class to a sophomore or as a sophomore with all her AP credits of courses she tests out of. So that was one of the biggest mistakes I did. I I did the honors classes in high school and I did the stuff where there's no credits. (laughs) It it was such a waste of time. Like I I could have just done AP. Yeah, it was a huge mistake. She did all the APs, which I got to tell you, Chase, Mm. uh, I, 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 it's weird because it's a spectacular school and she had a great time, but uh, I had more fun in high school. Hmm. Like, like I had more fun. Like she worked her backside off her friends. I watched them. Uh-huh. They worked their behinds off. And of course they're benefiting from it now, mm-hmm. but man, I had a lot more fun in high school and didn't take life as seriously as I see these kids do today. It's a much more competitive landscape. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I might be more like your daughter in high school. Like I, I ran the paper, I did the sports section and, and I was does. like, yeah. She, I, <laughs> she's, a, she, she's part of the paper board. Yeah. She runs the. Uh, she is the executive producer of the television station. There you go. Um. So she does all that kind of stuff, which is great. Mm. But the academics is so rigorous. Yeah. I can't even. I. I can't fathom it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So did you want to? Did you know that you wanted to go into radio when you were in high school? Like you said, you had fun. But did you have like kind of an idea of what you wanted your uh, professional life to entail? No, I wanted to be a tell. I wanted to be a sports center anchor. Hmm. And remember, here's the thing, though, is that when I was in high school, ESPN. When I when I graduated high school, ESPN turned four. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when I was in high school, ESPN pretty much started. And so I watched that through high school. Was enamored with that. Thought I wanted to do sp- like a sports center anchor, and. Uh, and then when I graduated college, they started sports radio. There were, remember, there was no sports radio station in America till the year I graduated college. So there was no station in America until 1987 that was a sports talk radio station full time till WFAN launched in New York. And then the next year, WIP launched in Philadelphia. And that was the second station. And those two stations started it all. And so it, 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 it's we're, I, I'm really fortunate the way it worked out, because the minute I saw radio chase, I realized I don't have I, do I want three minutes on the local news or would I rather be able to get out there and, and really knock it out of the park and have, you know, a four hour microphone uh, set the agenda. Everything's about me and what my opinion is and, and how I present it and everything. I never at that point aspired to do television ever again, despite being this good looking. And so that was really, a, that was a chore. That was a real chore for me. Yeah. And you kept your hair as you got yes. older. It no. may have changed color a little bit from your it's raging though, yeah. man. It is. My hair is raging. Mm-hmm. It is just, uh, it's a, tr- it's a tra- uh, back in the life in the Northeast uh-huh. where I think the colder weather 
I don't know if there's anything to this scientifically, but I think it makes your hair grow faster. <laughs> I really do. I think it's like, I think the cold weather, whatever it is, maybe it's a, it's a protective layer for your body, but my hair is just, it, it, it's out of control. I can barely go, I can barely go four weeks without a haircut. So you're, you're advocating for Domino and Cellini to head back north. Yeah, I think Domino, I, I, you know what? I think Domino would maybe have like dreadlocks <laughs> if he ever went back to New Jersey. So there you go. Do you still talk to a lot of the guys from 69? Yes, I do. And, um, and I do. I keep in, touch with, keep in touch with a lot of the crew. And it's so funny because over the years, uh, especially Chris Domino and, and Nick Cellini, uh, there were many years where we did not get along. Hmm. Uh, we, we were younger, we were competitors, and it was not friendly. And all of us share in some of the collective blame for that. Uh, because, but, and then when they joined 680 the fan, and we're all a little older, we're parents, we are, uh, we're a lot more mellow. Uh, I realized what kind of cool guys they are. And individuals they are. And it was a pleasure. And it's, it's so funny. If anyone had told me 15 years ago, you know, oh, yeah, Domino and Cellini, you're going to like stay in touch with them and, and wish them well and be friends and everything like that. I never would have guessed it. And it's awesome because there are so many great people that work in Atlanta media and all kinds of media because I've worked at the networks and, and locally and everything. But uh, what surprises you is sometimes where rivals become people that you really admire and they're friends. A lot of it is just getting older, like you said, but also just like when you add more, more people in your life to take it out, like to remove yourself from the equation. I found this professionally is that like, like how I view just hustle, hustle, hustle and very independent and very selfish in the sense that like I prioritized my school and my uh, podcast and my writing and my career first. But then if you meet somebody and you get married or you have a serious relationship and then if you have kids, like that's more that you have to think beyond yourself more and more. And I think that does help professionally in a sense where you're like, in the grand scheme of things, this is really not that uh, important and we really don't need to bicker or have this kind of negativity in our yeah, lives. I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't serve any purpose. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's egotistical is, is what it is. It's But our industry is filled with big egos. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because you sort of have to have that mentality when you attack the microphone. And I say attack it because you got to have a plan. You got to have tactics. You got to have an, you know, whatever your agenda is set for the day that you're speaking about and everything. So you really do have to you have to have the confidence in yourself. So there's a healthy amount of ego that's necessary, I believe, to succeed. But at some point, you need to realize that you can't take yourself that seriously. And that's the hard part that comes with age. What do you think is the biggest difference with what kind of personality you have to be on radio versus podcasting? Uh, conversational in in the way of podcasting to me. In fact, I'm my radio show now in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I launched it with the concept of I said, I'm going up against one of the titans in entire radio industry in Angelo Cataldi. And one of the things I said is I, I worked under him. You know, I interned under him. He's been my mentor forever. And I watched how he did his show and how he built tremendous success. And so what I said was, if you try to come in and you try to do a show like his, it'll never succeed because he's going to kick your ass. 
what you need to do is you need to come up with a way that you can appeal to people who haven't chosen his show or don't aren't drawn to it. So I've tried to create a podcast type show where it's younger, it's faster, it's different, uh, and more importantly, not reliant on callers. And in Philadelphia, that was considered, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You can't do that in Philly. And even in year one, I think we've proven you absolutely can. You don't have to rely on the callers to be your content. And that's where I think podcasting is a bigger challenge because you can't lean on the crutch of Bill from Knoxville to call in and fill time, which then allows you to react to him, which allows another caller to go in and react to that. So it's unbelievable. Did you enjoy callers or do you still enjoy callers? I'm being, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I'm really critical. We have a guy who works on our show, Connor Thomas, which is strange. Uh, Connor, <laughs> not Thomas, related. Connor is not related. You'd be proud to be related to him though. Chase. Okay. He's got your, he's got your hustle. He's got your work ethic. He's got your energy. So you'd be proud to be related to him. Maybe it's in the Thomas name, but, <laughs> Maybe. He, um, but Connor from the time he was brought on to work as a part timer and work on my show, uh, I took him aside and said, if bad callers get on the air, I'm coming for you because we don't take a ton of callers. Mm -hmm. But I said, if I'm going to put, if you put a caller up on that board, you are telling me that this caller is worth taking. And I think that a lot of radio shows just put up, Oh, you're calling in. What do you think? What's your name? What's your number? What, <laughs> I mean, what's your name? What's your city? What's your name? What's your city? And they don't, they don't screen them mm. to get screened on you. I mean, honestly, Dr. Fauci doesn't screen people the way we do to get them on my show. And today, this morning, strangely enough, we took two callers mm. in a four hour show. Uh, our first day back on Monday, we took probably seven or eight. Some days we might take 10. Some days we may, might take none. We've had days where we took none. Uh, and I'm cool with that because I have an ensemble cast. It's very similar to like the Dan Patrick show type vibe. And I love the fact that I've got a bunch of guys working with me who not only challenge me, but they also, I give them their own real estate. So they get to bring their own personality, their own thoughts, uh, their own topics to the table. And then I react to them. It, it's, 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 it's been a real pleasure and it's completely different than what I did for 20 years. Yeah. In 680, the fan in Atlanta, completely different show. Doesn't even sound like it. It's nothing like it. That's interesting. Do you think it's harder to do what you do now as a solo? Like you said, you have an ensemble cast, but it still ultimately all falls on you to lead and guide and be the captain of the ship and the solo captain of said ship versus having a partner who can help you, who can help when things are going awry or this, that, and the other, like just doing a solo show. It always seemed to me to be far more difficult uh, than having someone on the other line or in studio with you to keep you afloat and keep the conversation going. Strange thing is, I'm going to tell you that the, if I was to put it in order, mm -hmm. the easiest shows I ever did were 15 years on the network, the John Kincaid show by myself. Hmm. Between, between ESPN Radio and CBS Sports Radio, Sunday mornings for 15 years. That was the easiest shows I ever did because I didn't have to collaborate. I had to give my producer marching orders, uh, but I didn't have to collaborate on subject matter. I didn't have to collaborate on, am I giving someone else enough time to talk? Am I giving them enough stage that they feel valued and 
you know, that their point of view is being addressed. Uh, the hardest thing that I ever did was Buck and Kincaid. And, and it wasn't anything about Buck Ballou. You can believe me. Buck Ballou had to deal with me for 20 years. I had to deal with him. Uh, both of us, both of us had to, you know, fall in and out of love sometimes when you do a show that long, there are days you want to kill each other. There's days where you can go out on the golf course and, and, you know, and give each other a pat in the back. So many proud accomplishments, days where you butt heads. Uh, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the Buck and Kincaid format for 20 years was actually in some ways limiting because of the fact that the audience sort of fell in love with the concept the northerner and the southerner, the legendary Georgia athlete, the guy who's more the the opinionated guy that's going to you know sort of drive the conversation. And it's almost like we get pigeonholed a bit. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the constant recreation that was needed to keep Buck and Kincaid going was much more exhausting than anything that I'm doing now or did on the network. That's fascinating. Um, well, let's talk some Eagles, John. Sure. Um, your team is in the playoffs i don't think yes. really anybody like I, I would assume even yourself you did not see a playoff type year coming from this philadelphia eagles team when you looked at the roster in the preseason and you were you were doing your best case scenarios for the eagles you even your best case scenario you didn't see a playoff team did you no i uh i bet very publicly the under six and a half wins for the eagles mm-hmm. i i did not see this coming i did not trust the young coaching staff I don't know if you realize Nick Sirianni and his staff, it's the youngest NFL coaching staff ever. Wow. If you go coordinators mm-hmm. and head coach, it is the youngest average age coaching staff ever when you just use the coordinator, special teams, defense, offense, head coach. It is the youngest coaching staff ever. And to me, I didn't trust that more than anything. And I thought they needed a veteran in there. And I also thought the roster was a bit thin. I still do. But it has been an amazing year because I think the Eagles as a franchise are just one of those franchises that, you know, I think it's 14 of 21 seasons. They've been in the playoffs. And when you just look at it that way, you know, two thirds of the time, 65, 67% of the time, whatever it is, they're in the postseason. That tells you about a consistency within the organization, a professionalism, an approach that works. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little ashamed of myself that I doubted them so much, but I don't think I was that off base. September the 1st, we did a thing on the show this morning. On September the 1st, Las Vegas, you know, and they've got all the games for the entire season at the Westgate where you could bet every game and they had a point spread on every game. Mm-hmm. The Eagles were favored to win two games. Wow. There was one even money game at Detroit, and in, and in the 14 other games, they were an underdog. So they were underdogs in 14, favored in two, even money in one. So I think a lot of people missed the boat, but I'm a little ashamed that I doubted them as much as I did. I mean, it's not even PFF in front of the pot. Austin Gale was super down on them. I just every preview you read and when you look at the roster and like you said, with the young coaching staff, first year coaching staff. And then it was also the jokes like which feel forever ago. The Nick Sirianni stuff. What was it? Was it uh, what was his thing? I don't even remember it now. Was it t- not uh, tic-tac-toe? What was he? What was the thing that he was talking about? Oh, he was talking about rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. That's what it which, was. By the way, mm-hmm. I don't know if you realize the story behind that. I don't. Well. He was playing. He talked about pre-draft mm-hmm. that he played rock paper scissors right. with 
you know, some of the players that they were interviewing. Mm-hmm. Do you know who played rock, paper, scissors? Devontae Smith. <laughs> Worked at out. Alabama. So he played rock, paper, scissors with the Alabama guys because they did that. And what did they do? They went and drafted two Alabama guys with their first two picks. So in, in honesty, he telegraphed the picks because he was talking about the rock, paper, scissors thing. And they did that back at Alabama. They talked about it on one of the playoff broadcasts last year, a year ago, about them playing rock, paper, scissors. And I'm like, huh. oh my gosh. So, so Nick Sirianni said, yeah, you know, some of them, you just try to break the ice. So we played rock, paper, scissors. And I said, wait a minute, I saw that. And that means it was Alabama guys. And going into the draft, I said, they're targeting Alabama guys and they draft two of them. And by the way, I'm glad they drafted both of them. I love both picks. Absolutely. They both seem like uh, big wins early on. Um, but it's also just like, man, wide receivers are just a crapshoot because you have Jalen Rager who is having just another really brutal season and people liked him a lot a lot of smart people who study a lot more college tape or TCU tape for that matter sure we're all in it's just so hard to figure it out Terry McLaurin just being a number one in Washington like there was some upside but it wasn't to this extent you just it, it drafting receivers especially when you just look at the belichick situation with drafting receivers over decades and decades it's just it's it's kind of wild which ones pop and which ones don't but well mm -hmm. here's what i'll just do is that i and i and i've said it over and over again is that why don't you shop in the sec aisle (laughs) just just do me a favor shop in the sec and do that for a little bit and see what you're about going that route because jalen hurts has worked out for them Devontae Smith has worked out for them. Landon Dickerson has worked out for them. Shop in the SEC. Seems like a good place to go buy your groceries. Are you going to the crappy supermarket that has dirty floors and you sometimes you get a good cut of meat, sometimes you don't? Or do you go to the nice place? Go, go shop at the nice places. In fact, I'm going to watch the national title game and the Eagles need their defense rebuilt. I need some real impact guys on their defense, even though their defense is top five right now in yards allowed, which I don't even know how they're doing it without impact guys on defense. They got three first round picks this year. I am going to watch the national title game and I'm going to wear a lobster bib because I'm going to be drooling over the guys that the Eagles can go after to impactfully change their defense and take what is a nine and seven team right now with one game to go and maybe elevate them next year to a Super Bowl contender. I mean, Super Bowl contender next year. That's those it's some... bold, but mm-hmm. it's it's bold. But with with the three first round picks, mm-hmm. with around fifty eight million dollars in salary cap space, uh, and not having to pay a quarterback next year, you don't have to go. You don't have to sign Jalen Hurts to an extension till after next season or the next year. So you've got 22 to play with. So you don't have to go and invest in a second contract for Jalen Hurts yet. So to me, I I, I feel really good about it. And I am totally in, by the way, on Jalen Hurts in 22 being the guy who comes back. Because there's some people who would like to see them use those first round draft picks and go after a Deshaun Watson or something like that. And I got to tell you, as the father of a teenage girl, no, I don't want them to go after a Deshaun Watson. I prefer that they didn't do that. And I told the Eagles organization on my show mm-hmm. and made it clear that if they were able to do something like that, they're going to have a vocal opposition uh, that will be banging the drum in a big, big way. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, I don't think so either. 
which is how it should be, actually. Yes, I as you said, so. that's how it should be. Um, I would think so. So, um, in terms of Hertz, because you mentioned him in like him twenty twenty two, I think he solidified his twenty twenty two status with, I mean, just the third and fourteen rollout to Greg Ward alone um, to save their uh, save their playoff run. Right, like he did so much stuff in that game against Washington. Um, he he did. He, he was just exceptional. That was like a that was the perfect kind of game that I think Roseman and Laurie and this coaching staff needed to see from Hertz and his development, right? To to Here, get well, to that next level. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is that this year has been a real mixed bag. Mm-hmm. It's been a mixed bag. But if you tell me Jalen Hurts in October was better than September, in November he was better than October, and right now I believe in December he's being slightly better than November. Uh, to me, that's all I ask. Uh, I try to be objective and I try to, even though I'm a huge fanboy for the Eagles, I love the Eagles. They are the only team that I've ever been, you know, just obsessed with as a fan. And, but I really believe Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had to convince me because when I got on the plane, we took 300 of our listeners out to Vegas for the Eagles game versus the Raiders. And they got their teeth kicked in and were two and five and looked to be in atrocious shape. And at that point, we did a thing this year, and I said, whoever's at, when you're out on Jalen Hurts, throw in the towel. And we have a towel in the studio. And two of the guys on my show have thrown in the towel. One of them (laughs) threw it in. One of them threw it in after the Vegas game. One of them threw it in after they blew that Giants game, the first Giant game in New York. I refused to to throw it in. I said, I'm going to wait a little bit more. I feel glad that I waited. And uh, I, I I, I feel good enough that with this year's exceptional draft capital in front of them, that uh, I want them to go rebuild that defense and really just take it to the next level next year. How has your perception, though, changed in recent weeks for uh, Sirianni and Hertz? What has changed the most for you? I've apologized to Nick Sirianni because I was incredibly critical of him early in the year. Now, what I will make a point is, is that he cleaned up his act. He got better. He realized, well, wait a minute. The strength of my team is we may have the best offensive line in football, and I'm asking Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 35, 40 times. That's stupid. He changed the game plan after that Vegas game, came out, ran the football. They became the most run-heavy team in the National Football League, and they start dominating people. And I, I, So part of it is frustrating because I look at it and say, if he had come with this approach out of training camp, I truly believe the Eagles have a couple more wins uh, if he had had that approach. and But it took him a while. He's a first-year coach. He's a young guy. I get it. Uh, but what I've really been impressed with with Nick Sirianni is, is that I do believe he listens. And I know with his veteran players, they seem to be buying into him, the guy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, to me, that's impressive. That's impressive that he's able to – his players talk about him a lot. They invoke things that he say, his messages and things like that. So that tells me his players know a hell of a lot more about him than I do. So I'm going to take their word for it. If they're impressed, especially veterans, Super Bowl champions that are on this roster, that know what it's like uh, to, to win big, and they're impressed by him, that's good enough for me. Um, outside of Hertz and Sirianna, though, who has shined of late and who's still still struggling, still a weak spot for, for Philly right now? Okay, Jordan Mailata is, is just one of the most amazing stories in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. A guy who never played 
football, played rugby, a seventh round draft pick who I believe may be the best left tackle in the National Football League. And if he's not the best left tackle in the National Football League, he's one of two or three. And this guy was a seventh round draft pick who had never played football. So, you know, it, it, it's unbelievable the way that they developed him. Uh, so he has been an amazing story. Landon Dickerson coming in and sliding over to sliding over to guard and just creating with Dickerson and Mylotta on the left side of that line. They're beasts and they're athletic beasts. And then Jason Kelsey at center, who is the best center, I believe, in the National Football yeah. League. The guy is going to be a Hall of Famer right there. You have three guys in the offensive line that are just just ridiculously good. And the right side of your line's really good, too. I mean, it's that's been impressive. What really bothers me, though, is that a guy like Fletcher Cox, he's the most expensive guy on the roster. And to me, they've gotten five games out of Fletcher Cox where I noticed him. And that surprises me. Uh, there were games where he showed up three or four times in the first seven or eight games, he had a zero, a goose egg on the on the score sheet. He did nothing. He had no impact at all. He was not. And to me, that's unacceptable. He's definitely improved that. And I'm a huge Fletcher Cox fan for his career. But I have not been a huge Fletcher Cox fan for this year. I think they need more out of him. Uh, he's one. But uh, the linebacker court, TJ Edwards is coming around. But they're very weak at linebacker. And I think they're going to be looking for their version of an impact linebacker in this draft and mm-hmm. they're going to try to find him maybe get roddy mcleod back can right I take yeah. dean can, mm. we, can you send him up here please i'll pay for the airfare <laughs> i mean and then you get a healthy mcleod who what tours acl yeah. at the end of last year yes. and he finally but, looks uh back right. to himself and your corners been have been fantastic. great uh i mean big play slay yep. has finally lived up to the nickname that he brought to town with him Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done an exceptional job and he really is a leader type. The young guys sort of follow behind him and, and, and listen to him. It's a, it's an interesting club. It really is. And I can tell you this with Jalen hurts again, not to go back to hurts, but Jalen hurts is just, uh, everything that he does as far as being a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. And I say professional, he really learned well. And I don't know if he learned it in his own house growing up. I I would imagine some of it comes from that. But he's an exceptional young man. The way he carries himself, the way he conducts himself, uh, he he does things the right way. God, you just root for him. Very similar to what Atlanta has in a guy like Matt Ryan, where you know he had a good upbringing and he does the right things and he treats people with respect. And he's the kind of guy that you could have as the face of a franchise. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the same type of way, and I really hope he does succeed and continue to take the next step. Yeah, I mean, he's just somebody you want to run through a brick wall yes. for. Yes, and uh, if he could be kind, if he can take a third year step mm-hmm. like Kyler Murray, which I do believe he could. I don't think he has Kyler's arm, but I absolutely believe he has the a football IQ that is off the charts and a leadership IQ that just that's innate. That's just who he is. And the guy, the guy gets veteran players to believe in him. They love him. The offensive linemen, the veteran offensive linemen, love him. Uh, that, that's an impressive thing for a young guy to win those guys over. Um, and then in your Fletcher Cox point, though, um, how much of that is like also why you also invest in somebody like Josh Sweat, who has been really good the last few weeks as well. So it's like if Cox is off 
for a little bit. That's that's why you have somebody like Sweat oh, yeah. right there. I mean, and the, and the big thing is too. What does what do the Eagles do very very well? They manage the cap as well as any franchise in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And what have they done this year? They took their seventh round draft pick, who they didn't have to sign to an extension, and use some of their cap money to do it. So he would be happy. Pay him before you have to pay him. Josh Sweat. They didn't have to pay Josh Sweat. They signed Josh Sweat to a. Uh, they like the kid. They like the way he works. They like the way he fits in with veterans. And look what happens. Josh Sweat's a winner. Josh Sweat comes to work. He, he impresses the veterans. Now he's got nine sacks or nine and a half sacks. I mean, that's incredible. And again, they buy them on the cheap. They buy them young and get them on the cheap and lock them down to create salary cut flexibility later on. They identify the young talent that they want and they lock them down before they have to. What makes Godert uh, just so special as a tight end? Like he had some big plays yesterday, but clearly Hertz, Hertz loves him and it made Zach Hertz expendable. But what's what's been the biggest jump for him to becoming one of uh, the league's best pass catching tight ends? It's weird is that Dallas Goddard, I think that part of it is part of it is Zach being gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, because believe me, Zach Ertz is a beloved figure in this town and always will be. But to me, Zach Ertz being gone means Goddard gets the first team snaps when they're in single tight end sets in practice. It means that he gets more work with the first team guys. He gets more work with the quarterback. He gets more of a rhythm there. I just think Dallas Goddard needed more opportunities. And he is a better yards after the catch tight end than Zach Ertz has ever been. And that's no disrespect because Zach's freaking unbelievable. He's awesome. But Zach Ertz has never been a guy yards after the catch. He's, he's reliable. He's strong. But he's not the yak guy. Dallas Goddard brings the yak to the table. But also Dallas Goddard doesn't isn't as reliable catching the ball as Zach Ertz is. So you get a little bit of a, you know, a, a buyout, you know, there where you're you're benefiting in some ways and you're not in others. Interesting. Um, how much has that been for you, uh, Hertz development? Like the combination of it's funny because I don't know if a lot of people realize just how good this Eagles run game has been all oh year. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just been a it's been a trio for the most part um of next man up or whoever but like even boston scott has been it's been great howard Mm -hmm. i mean it's 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 a i think it's because jeff stoutland and a lot of people down south will know jeff stoutland the legendary offensive line coach from nick saban's tree uh he he's he's a machine and the man just is one of the most exceptional offensive line minds in the nfl i mean he took honestly right now he took jordan mylana a guy who never played football he never played. All he played was rugby. And in a matter of three years, he has this guy potentially as the best left tackle in the NFL. I mean, you get guys that he's used to dealing with, you know, uh, USDA prime beef, you know, where he, where he, you know, coaching at an Alabama or being in the NFL, guys with incredible pedigree. And he takes a guy who never even played football and makes him into an exceptional talent. He's unbelievable. And so, you know, that, that, that's, that's one of those things where you just go, wow, the development of these guys is, is, is truly incredible. It's a good coaching staff. It's a good organization. They're really good. The Eagles are a, gr- they're a great organization as far as how they go about their business and how they sustain it. Look right now. They had one year last year where things went down mm-hmm. and I believe Doug Peterson fired himself. I don't believe that 
Doug Peterson was going to be fired. Doug Peterson went to his interview the day after the season and walked out of it as the coach of the Eagles, where they were meeting the next week. I believe Doug wouldn't fire members of his coaching staff and that he so he got himself fired. He he said, Well, I'm not making these changes. I don't want to make these changes. I'm a Super Bowl winning coach. I shouldn't have to. And I think he got himself fired in that regard. And but to to just they had the one down year and they're right back in the playoffs. I mean, they they hire Chip Kelly after Andy Reid leaves. And they hire Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly wins ten games his first year, wins the division, goes to the playoffs. They bring in Nick Sirianni, wins nine games, goes to the playoffs. Uh, we all know the success of Andy Reid. We know Ray Rhodes, his first year, a Jeffrey Lurie hire back in the 90s. First year, wins 10, goes to the playoffs. I mean, the, the Eagles organization just does it right. They hire coaches really, really well. They do a good job with it. Yeah, and I mean, it's just it's funny how quickly things in the NFL can just change on a dime because Roseman was on the hot seat going into this year. A lot of oh, Eagles no fans question. were calling for his head. Like, this was yeah. it he had to turn it around this year because it's just you can't have multiple years like that of that dip and just i think part of it too is just the ending of the carson Wentz saga and just what that did and now we're seeing Mm -hmm. carson wentz in indianapolis yeah and frank reich the quarterback genius coach who you know helped develop carson and what do we see carson wentz wentz is reckless with the football he makes horrible decisions. He may be the worst decision maker in the NFL, a quarterback, but he has that spectacular quality too, that he can light it up and get on a roll and make some great plays. But he makes the stupidest decisions with a football I've ever seen. Yeah. And again, I didn't doubt that the Eagles, he got himself run out of town. The Eagles did not want to get rid of him. He got mentally shot when they drafted Jalen Hurts. He was mentally shot. He couldn't take it. It freaked him out. It spooked him. And worse yet, Jalen Hurts comes in, and all the veteran players really enjoy Jalen Hurts. They like his work ethic. They like his attitude. They like the way he carries himself. And then that doesn't – Carson's not exactly – I don't know. Doesn't fit in as well, uh, you know, in some ways. So I think the Eagles are being proven out that maybe they did the right thing in their decision to move on. Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz have the exact same record right now. That's wild. It is. It is wild because I was a huge Wentz fan and I did not want to see him go. And I wanted to see them try to work it out. But it just couldn't work out here. He he lost trust with the organization. He got upset that they drafted Hurts. He was pissed about it. It mentally shot him. And it was never going to be repaired. It's also just, it, you know, it's crazy. I would also just say that, like, the difference, though, with what Jalen Hurts does for the Philadelphia Eagles versus what Carson Wentz does week to week for the Indianapolis Colts is just night and day, I think. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, Carson's got the big arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen does not have a big arm. And Jalen makes – I can tell you this, though, is that Jalen has between the ears as a passer – has a, a, a much, much higher passer IQ than Carson Wentz could ever hope to have. But Carson Wentz has got the arm. Carson Wentz has the zip. He can do things when he's on a roll and things are going well. Carson Wentz can tear you apart. And and I don't believe Jalen Hurts will ever pick you apart with the passing game because I don't think his arm is strong enough. I think he has to do it in different ways. But you could still win that way. You sure can. Yeah. yeah, if you have that running game, you can. Sure. And a punishing defense, you can. You're just not going to win it. It's not going to be a sexy chase. It's not going to be as – it's not going to be that, you know – as sexy a way to win 
If Carson went when Carson Wentz was on that MVP season in 2017 till he tore up his knee when he was 11 and two when he tore up his knee, uh, that was sexy. They were they were putting up 35, 40, 50 points on teams, and they were tearing people up. And uh, I, I don't know that he ever recovered from his injury. And I know that the drafting of Jalen Hurts injured his brain and his ego. But see, and this is the last thing we'll say on on Wentz is just that like yes. I would tell buddies um, when all this was going on with Carson was just that like the one thing we overlooked because it's just been so long and it's just hard to keep uh, keep things in chronological order. But um, you have a dog, if I'm not mistaken, named after yes, Nick I Foles. do, Nikki Foles. Yeah, right. I just could not imagine Carson Wentz in that. Like we all talk about Jalen and drafting Jalen, but it's more of. Nick Foles replacing you in an MVP type season where you're like you you should be that guy and you have to just watch the all time great run an all time great run that will never be replicated no. in that sort of fashion where like this is his city now this is his team it all like in a magical run where movies are made and you're not a part of any of that and you're just you're the guy who got hurt and you're the big what if but you're just but you're not the guy his, I just couldn't imagine I that I got would you. yeah. I got you, but they gave him his job back. Well, I'm just saying, like, like, you you can't top that, though, for fans. Like, they're never going to put you ahead of that season for Nick. Like, he can never do anything after that kind of run to to match it. There's no magic. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this. Okay. Remember, he won 11 of those games. Mm -hmm. And Carson Wentz, and and I've heard it from some national media over the years, no one in Philadelphia wanted Carson Wentz run out of town. Nobody wanted him out of town. Nobody was like, this isn't the Ben Simmons situation where I honestly, I will pay the mover <laughs> to pack up his joint and get him out of here. This is, people were heartbroken that Carson Wentz quit on them. And he quit on them. He quit on the city, quit on the team. And it was like, I got to get out of here. I have to be gone. And he fabricated in his head this, this entire scenario because nobody wanted him gone. In fact, when they won the Super Bowl the next year, you know, Nikki. Foles had to go out and play the Atlanta Falcons in the opener yeah, and, and go out there until Wentz was ready to go. And then Wentz got his job back. And then at the end of the year, Wentz gets hurt again and Foles had to step in again and won a playoff game and then almost beat the saints. Uh, there was a clutch quality about Nick Foles that'll always be beloved in this town. And yes, my dog is Nikki Foles. Yes. She's Nikki Foles. Kincaid lover. Last thing on the Eagles, and we'll wrap up here, John. Um, how do you see this season ultimately ending for Philadelphia? Tell me who they're playing in the playoffs, and I'll tell you. If you tell me they're playing, if you tell me they're playing Tampa Bay, I think they can put a real scare into them because Tampa, without Fournette, with injuries, now Antonio Brown gone. I mean, like, there's so many things that. That, but Tom Brady, I believe, is a maestro. Mm-hmm. But I think you could play in really good conditions. You could run the football, keep the ball away from Brady. I think it'd be interesting. Uh, if you tell me that they're going to play Dallas, I think they'll get steamrolled. I don't like the matchup with Dallas. So if they had to play Dallas in the first round, I think it ends sort of painfully because a painful loss to Dallas in the playoffs would be the worst way that this feel-good season could end for the Eagles. So I want them to avoid Dallas. The Rams... They could beat the Rams, and I really do believe they could beat the Rams because I know this is that Matt Stafford is going to give a gift or two, (laughs) and I also think that the Eagles can control the football and run the football. I watch teams run the football on the Rams this year, yeah, and so 
You play keep away, put a little extra pressure on Stafford. No team goes into the playoffs with more pressure on their shoulders than the Rams. I mean, I mean, less, less more pressure than the Packers. The swan song for no, Aaron Rodgers? much more. No, okay. I think it's much more because they put all the, – the Packers are set up for years to come to be to be young, talented, and successful. They even though – and I don't believe Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. Oh, But, but okay. the Rams, you got to they, – they pushed every chip to the center of the table. They went and bought every little shiny toy they could to win this year. They got to win. And I think the pressure on their shoulders is going to be immense, absolutely immense. I wouldn't bet on it. What we've seen from Stafford in the last few weeks and then him just saying I'm frustrated and I thought like the basically saying I thought I left this kind of stuff in Detroit. I, oh, I just, boy. I would, I'm out. Like I, I, I'm i very much out on That's that. why I want the Eagles to play them. Yeah. That's why I want, I, I want to see them play them. I think it'd be great. Last thing we'll wrap up here, John. In all honesty, yes. what do you think? This is a call back to Atlanta. I'm curious from because you did not pop up on this particular program, I think, or segment rather all that often the audio fun back. Oh, yes. Is there one moment in particular that will always still crack you up more than any other? Um, there are some that I know they can't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will always laugh at the Chuck Oliver fake radio promos. <laughs> For his affiliates for the Chuck Oliver show. <laughs> I know you're talking about, yeah. On. I believe that was one of the most creative, <laughs> funny bits ever. I, I still laugh today at that. Um, I love the, I, I love, and I, I'll tell you with the audio fun bag, I love Los and Hoyt. And they are like brothers to me. And I know, and I've said it many times to them, so I'm not saying something that I don't say. I would not be doing the radio show today that I'm doing in Philadelphia, the style of show and everything, if those two hadn't challenged me to loosen my ass up and to laugh more, do different things, take some shots, do some, you know, change things up a bit. And when I had a chance to create a radio show uh, from scratch, which I got to do, and there were, you know, some opportunities on the table and I didn't know which one I was going to take, uh, their guidance and their ability to get in my head and influence me will I will forever be grateful for and forever respect them for because they challenged me point at point blank. And I also I'm not one of those hosts who thinks, well, I've been doing this forever, so you're not going to teach me something. I learn from interns. I learn from the young people. And one of the things I said is, too, I wanted young people surrounding my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want I want to learn. I want to learn what are the young people listening to? They asked at the very first meeting, what kind of rejoin music do you want? And I said, what I want is for you to never ask me again what rejoin music I want. Because if I was to give you my iPhone and you're playing my iTunes, you aren't playing a Spotify list of a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. I, want, I never want to be asked that question again. That is yours. <laughs> you guys make it cool. Right. I'm not going to be able to make it cool. And that influence came a lot of it from uh, Carlos and Hoyt, who I I just adore. And and my my teammates at Six Eight of the Fan. I I can't speak any more highly of the entire crew there and the Atlanta listening audience who was so so good to me. And I made a mistake, Chase, of one thing. When I left, I I my wife took my phone and took my iPad 
And she didn't give them back to me for like a day and a half. And she made me just reflect and relax and chill out before I was to ever share a thought or whatever. And when I started to read all the social media after people found out that my contract wasn't renewed and I'd be leaving, uh, I never realized in my 20 plus years of being there on 680, I never felt the love. I always felt the respect, but I never felt the love. And when I was gone, it was an overwhelming feeling of this love from people that I didn't even know that had listened for years or had tweeted to me and everything. And I regret the fact that all those years, I never grasped that and never understood it because I would tell them all, I really felt it. I really felt it and I loved them for it. And I loved my time in Atlanta and my family loved our time in Atlanta. And, uh, but it was good to get a change and a good to get an exciting opportunity like this. And life is very, very good, but I will always have a fondness for Atlanta, except when they're playing Philadelphia. And then I will try to just incite riot. There you go. Uh, John, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Um, how, how can the good folks, Atlanta, Philadelphia, across the country, how do they keep up with uh, your work, your show, and everything else you got going on? Well, I think everybody should download the 97.5 The Fanatic app. That's always a great way. Our YouTube broadcast of the show, every show is on our YouTube channel, the 97.5 The Fanatic YouTube channel. And Chase, I'll brag, I believe our YouTube broadcast for our show is better than any radio show that is on television. And I would challenge people to go watch it. It's slick. It's slickly produced. I got a young guy, Mike Civarelli, who runs that right out of college. He's young. He's creative. And I literally just tossed the keys and I said, I want it to look slick. I want it to look young. I want it to look fun. And uh, I, my station was kind enough to invest in the cameras. So we got everybody on it's the most visually interesting radio show you've ever seen and go to the YouTube channel, check it out and download that 97.5, the fanatic app. I'd love it. And of course, follow on Twitter at John Kincaid. My daughter says my Instagram game sucks. So I'm going to point nobody to the John Kincaid show Instagram page because my daughter says that I suck at it. So I try to also not touch that as often as possible. Yeah, I suck at that too, man. That's just a I'm different world. I think you need a different I, part of your brain for that. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I Instagram to me is, and this is going to be terrible. Instagram <laughs> to me is very vapid. Mm-hmm. I don't care, Chase, what you had for lunch. Oh, okay. I don't care. I don't care what you had for lunch. You don't need to show me a picture of your sandwich. You don't need me to show me a picture of you with a cigar in your mouth sitting looking at the beach. Mm-hmm. I don't need like, I, I don't, I don't need that. I I'm easily distracted. And so I don't, I, I don't need that. I'd rather hear Chase Thomas's thoughts on things. And that's why your podcast is great because I'd rather hear you expounding on things in your words or in your written, written word, excuse me, than I would ever want to do and watch it in a picture. I, I, I just don't grasp, but it's not for me. So that's also why I've pulled back from Twitter and facebook for the i mean facebook was years ago but twitter right. just in terms of like i just save my takes for the pod or something i'm writing like it's just there's no yeah. point in just releasing that into the void these little snippets that can be taken out of context or just the conversations are not worth having on twitter well, yeah and that's yeah and that's the key and that's what you've done with your podcast which i think is great i'm glad to be able to join you today is uh i th- again you asked me earlier about being around out with this with a radio show and a podcast uh 
you have conversations with people. And I think that you can't really have conversations because how many times would we have had to break on yep. the radio? How many times would we have had to, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I think that you, you, the, the art of conversation, I believe, is sort of lost in today's society. And for young guys like you to understand it, grasp it, and bring it to the marketplace, I think is why you can see your tra- uh, career trajectory and everything going in the right direction. I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the draw is just I, I, having conversations where I believe that the listener is learning something. Um, if I'm yeah. talking more then they're not learning anything, um, it's not about me. It's more about the platform and the conversation and ensuring that uh, both sides are being heard and that uh, it's you're learning and you're listening. Yes. It's good yes. for you. <laughs> it is good. It is good. And honestly, to a conversation, to listen to a good conversation in traffic is also very calming to me because mm. I am like, I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> and if I'm in, and if I'm in traffic and I'm like locked in and it's gridlock and it's crawling at like five miles an hour, mm. if I slip a podcast on and I listen to a good conversation. It takes me away. It engages me in a way that calms me down. And so I think there's a lot of people who consume the podcast route uh, for different reasons. And that's one of them. I think it's a good way to I think it's a good way to pass the time creatively. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much. We'll end it there. Thank you again for for the time. I greatly appreciate it. All the folks down there. Success, Chase. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you as well. Um, and happy new year and good luck, uh, to your Eagles as long as they, well, they're not going to play the Falcons cause Falcons got eliminated from playoff. No, Falcons got eliminated yeah. and, I, and I was, I got to tell you, I wasn't unhappy with that because you guys have had too much success since I left. So uh, <laughs> I would say, let them, let that go a little bit. Thanks Chase. <laughs> All right, we are back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am now joined by another 10-win season coach, Mr. Troy Calhoun, Troy of the Air Force Academy. Troy, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Chase. Happy New Year. Happy you, New partner. Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Um, what do you, do you do anything special for New Year's traditionally? Do you have any family traditions that uh, you follow? You know, we, uh, well, hopefully you're involved with the bowl game, uh, mm-hmm. which fortunately we were. Uh, came back from Dallas and uh, had a chance uh, just to have a couple of days with our family. Uh, our daughter's a high school senior, and then our son was uh, home from college. So uh, it was good to see them, and, uh, and yet we're on to the next year. You are on to the next year. Well, we'll get to, well, actually, I mean, you know what? I might as well just go ahead and ask this now. So, do you have like a favorite? You don't have to dish on your getaway spot specifically, but do you have um, a place or do you have at least something that you can do with your family to get away, to recharge your batteries? Do you have, is there like a system or a plan in place for you to make sure that you are able to get away, stop thinking about football, <laughs> recruiting, and everything else for, for a little amount of time? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't do a very good job of that part of it because mm-hmm. I think chase literally every single day there's something that you're thinking of uh in regards to your program and um we do go for one week every year down to charleston uh just to see how many shrimp and oysters we can eat but uh (laughs) but again at the same time i mean there's just something whether it involves uh recruiting uh, maybe something differently that you want to do on defense or the way practice organization may be it's it's every single day and yet that that means it's not only a uh, a passion, but certainly a hobby too. 
Uh, what will you remember most about the 2021 Air Force, Air Force football season? Well, Chase, just uh, Kali, I mean, just truly the way we were able to not just hit the ceiling, but kind of push the ceiling upwards for that particular team. And um, uh, we didn't have that many returning starters. Uh, so we had a bunch of guys that were really new to playing college football this year. And uh, we were really, really fortunate. We had 29 seniors, uh, just a great, great class that, uh, that quite frankly, would be very difficult to replace. And so uh, that means we'll have a huge, huge challenge in 2022 with our schedule. And, uh, and again, having um, just so many young guys in there yet at the same time, I mean, it's, golly, it is a chance to play college football, though, also. What was the biggest difference between coaching in 2020 versus coaching this year? Well, we got to play football. You know, <laughs> just to have no cancellation, mm-hmm. really, uh, across the sport until, you know, a few of the bowl games. Uh, there was some continuity, you know, in regards to the preparation. And I think just overall, I mean, just, you know, I, I'll say this. What occurred during uh, 2020? I think every single one of them realized, every single one of us at least, uh, you know, makes it clear to us just how fortunate we are to be a part of a great sport, uh, that being football, but especially to be a part of college football. That seems to be the the common thread. I remember Saban at the end of it was just, uh, it was just gratitude uh, across the board for a lot of folks because it just make it reminds you that like it, this is actually a lot more fragile than we, than we like to think it is on a day-to-day basis, right? No question. You know, I mean, just uh, every one of us, you know, whether you're a fan, uh, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're an administrator, uh, just all of us, I think we realize how fortunate football, how really how lucky we are that we are able to be a part of football. And I think 2020 put that in very clear perspective. And, and the other part, too, is you, know, you just never know the true duration of life. So uh, you better go live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what were you most proud of about your team this year? Well, I think anytime you're at the Air Force Academy, if there's a way where you can have a winning season, uh, just because of the, the pure reality that we play in a really, really strong league, uh, you know, and you look, I think that, that, that certainly was evident during the bowl season too, you know, with um, having a couple of us be the Power 5 schools and uh, finishing up 5-1 and one as a league uh, during the bowl season. And we're always going to play really, really difficult uh, non-league games also. Uh, you know, when you play Navy, when you play Army, this year we'll have Colorado. Um, I mean, just annually, uh, the sheer degree of difficulty of our schedule, and yet still uh, to be able to get into the postseason uh, is a remarkable achievement by our guys. What surprised you most about your team this year? Well, I think just the the way we, how much we changed, mm-hmm. uh, the sheer the sheer amount of improvement that we made during this season, and and, and again that's that's due in large part just because of the seniors that we had, um, just really the way they took charge and and the great job that our that our staff did too. What makes uh, your quarterback Daniels a special special quarterback for your team? Well, I think, you know, we, we've shown here in recent years that we, we, we've been willing to play, you know, multiple guys at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he has been there, uh, he's been really productive, uh, has just good poise, 
Uh, he definitely knows, you know, it, we, we don't check out of a whole lot of plays um, that if we need to, uh, he's pretty cognizant of that. And yet at the same time, I mean, just uh, the competitive spirit that he has, how unselfish he is, and, uh, and the appreciation that he has for the guys alongside of him, too. Schematically, why don't you, you check out a lot of the line? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, I mean, part of it, um, we, we, we try to line up in a good number of different ways, um, and yet we feel like that we have a, a good bit that's built in mm-hmm. uh, in regards to some of the things we do, whether it's with our, our blocking uh, in the run part of it or certainly with our protections. And then uh, and we try to always include a hot route uh, in any of our dropbacks or even our play-action part of it, too. Is there a game this year that stands out to you that the most that you wish you had a do-over and you wish you could coach and redo that game as a as a whole? No, I, and you know, I just and the reason why I say no, I just I think one of the things that we've always tried to really realize when it comes to life is you can't live in the past, mm-hmm. and uh, now you can learn from what happened. Um, but just in terms of the emotional maturity that we want our guys to have, and not only as football players, but as future leaders for our country, um, you try to grow from every single experience, but my goodness, you know, what what you truly can do something about is maybe what happens next. You can have an impact or at least try to have a pretty strong influence that way. Is there a win, though, that maybe meant the most to you this year? Oh, like I said, I don't know how much you can live in yesterday. I think any time you go to a bowl game, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely magnificent at the Air Force Academy and, uh, you know, and, and to win a bowl game, too. Oh, my goodness. Um, truly, that, that that's a capper that way. Yet, what we have to do, I mean, just all of our older guys are seniors. Uh, truly to be able to draw upon so many of the lessons that they learned leadership-wise playing football and use those when uh, they're leaders and officers for our country and then uh, our younger guys, because uh, we were able to have a few of them exposed to college football, be able to utilize those um, those endeavors and uh, to help moving forward, uh, not only as football players, but as, as men for our country too. How does that change how you coach, knowing that they're also going to be officers and serve uh, in our military? Well, Chase, it's, uh, I mean, it just adds to the, I mean, truly how hard and how difficult it is to have a competitive football program here at the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet we embrace that, though, too. I mean, the mission, uh, just the purpose and the mission of the academy, I mean, it's it's clear uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, to develop leaders of character and, uh, and yet also the admiration that we have for our young men and young women here at the academy and for what they've, they've taken an oath uh, when it comes to the ideals of democracy and our Constitution and uh, the way they take that to heart. I mean, you find that part of it really inspiring. Have kids changed that you've noticed? Have they changed their perspective on bowl season? There's been a lot of talk about bowl season and opt-outs and this, that, and the other. But in terms of someone who's actually in the inside and knows your kids inside and out and have coached so many different kids, like, have they changed their perspective that you can tell on how they view bowl season? You know, know, Chase, I don't think so at all. You know Hmm. I mean? I, and I say that from the standpoint that, I mean, there are, there are more factors that are included uh, to which, 
um, not not just players, but coaches too. I mean, we got to also be aware that not every single coach coached his team during the bowl season. So, um, I mean, I think, you know, all of us have a, uh, all of us, all of us have an input in terms of the value of college football, yet at the same time, uh, if we respect human beings, then we certainly respect their individual decisions. And, and I, you know, I think what it's always incumbent, uh, the responsibility that we have uh, is how do we make this uh, a more fruitful experience for each person that's a part of college football? Uh, is, is that on the field? Yeah, that's a part of it. But it's uh, even more so in terms of preparing for what they're going to do beyond football. And I think I think that's a responsibility that 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 pretty much every single coach with whom you're going to interact uh, takes to heart. And, uh, and we just we got to be really really great that way. Well, you have been really great because you've won double-digit games in two of the last three years. Um, And you mentioned just kind of the different kind of, not roadblocks, but just different kinds of circumstances that uh, make (laughs) getting that rock up to the top of the hill a little bit more complicated than other universities. But if you had to pinpoint why you've been able to win double-digit games in two of the last three years, why would you say that's been the, the case? Well, we, I think the biggest thing is we know we're, we're not entitled to win any game here at the Air Force Academy. I, I just, uh, it's not a right. And I think uh, when you're grounded that way, and, and I think the other part is, is the pure acknowledgement of how difficult it is to win a single game at the Air Force Academy. And so uh, you tend to be pretty thorough with your preparation. Uh, I think you communicate really, really well. That's coaches with players, players with players, coaches with coaches. And and then the other part of it is just, my goodness, I mean, the sheer the sheer spirit that you have to bring every single day. I mean, just to be that focused, to be that dedicated. Uh, and then the other part is I think you have to be willing to to really, really push uh to push it when it comes to the game planning part of things and uh and we have to do that in football here. The biggest difference for you, uh, playing quarterback in your system versus any other system in college football is what? There's there's a great deal of uh, ball handling that's involved in our system. And quite frankly, that's why often uh, in recruiting, I, I do think there's merit in somebody that's been a point guard or a basketball player, huh. especially a guard. Uh, or maybe a middle infielder in baseball. I mean, just, you know, the hand-eye and the ball skills that way. I mean, it's uh, it's huge in the way we operate. That's fascinating. Was that the case when you were you were coming up and you played at Air Force? Was that something that you – were you a multi-sport athlete coming up? Yes, sir. Yep, played all three. Yep, football, basketball, and baseball. And I uh, uh, was a point guard in the middle infielder, so yes, sir. Do you do you push for kids and parents to get their kids involved in other sports, or do you do you like them focusing on football uh, by and large I, by the time they get to high school? Chase, we, we, kids need to play as many; mm. they need to be involved in as many sports and activities as they possibly can. And uh, you know, I think anytime you have a parent, uh, they'll come up and say, "Hey, coach, should my son's solely focus on football," or another parent that says, "Should my daughter only play volleyball?" I mean, I just I, I think they're 
there are too many growth opportunities by being involved in other sports, uh, mm-hmm. the additional friendships that are built. But just long haul, I mean, the way you're exposed to so many different, even game situations, uh, there's a certain field or court IQ that's developed um, whenever you know where a shot clock is. Um, if you know you're up by two scores or uh, if you're up by five runs with one out in the bottom of the seventh or the last inning of a high school baseball game to know that, hey, they hit a ground ball and they score, that's okay. We'll trade it out for a run in this circumstance. Uh, those are, my goodness, those are such great, great opportunities that help them in future sports. And the other part, too, is I think you reduce some of the natural wear and tear, especially on a teenage body. Hmm. Uh, that's too isolated by only playing one sport year-round. How has coaching changed the most since when you first became a college football coach? You know, I, Chase, I truly believe, um, it, 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 and there would be a lot of people who may not agree with this, I think it's easier to connect with kids now than it's ever been huh. uh, for a coach. And I say that from the standpoint, uh, all of us, not just teenagers or kids, but every one of us spends so much time just glued to our phones uh, or just our electronics in general. But I think because of it, we do have a chance to have some eyeball-to-eyeball interaction, um, I think it hits home for us a little more deeply. And, uh, and, and we all yearn for that. You know, somebody that truly has an interest in helping us grow as a human being in addition to developing as an athlete. And so it's just, I, I think those conversations uh, are, are as good as they've ever been uh, when it comes to the dialogue and just truly the, the growth and, and the interest that there is in learning and improving as a person and as a student athlete. Huh. That's interesting because that just seems like it's counter to what so many people um, publicly uh, seem to proclaim about. Um, getting through to a, a younger generation and certain roadblocks of yeah. uh, connecting. I, I, I just, I, I truly feel like it's, it, it's easier to build a more meaningful and deeper mm-hmm. bond um, with your coaches, but most certainly with your student athletes too. And now I think there has to be a real sincerity uh, that, that you want to help them. Uh, that goes well beyond just playing the sport. Although, I mean, the sport is your vehicle to be able to reach them. So whenever you can teach and coach and help them improve that way, um, there's going to be even more really just uh, a a better captive human being. Hmm. Um, What do other coaches tell you is the most pain in the butt aspect of playing against your Falcons? I don't know. I really don't. Um, <laughs> what would you guess? Uh, I, I think. I think. I think probably just we do have good effort from our guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part is just there. There is a great camaraderie and a spree uh, that we are able to develop within our program, and that's not automatic just because we're at the Air Force Academy. In fact, that's something that um, requires our attention and uh, and our energy every single day. But we love that part of it. Um, the other part is, I mean, you, you're pretty much going to get what we are. Um, we, we're not always going to wow you uh, in terms of maybe how dynamic or, or our size. 
especially being a smaller team. Yet I do think we go pretty hard. That's interesting. Um, do you, what's your relationship like with uh, with the the Navy and Army coaches? Is there like a how does that work uh, between the, the three of y'all? Yeah, you know, you, you probably don't get to know them as mm-hmm. well as you do um, the schools within your you, you know whenever you're in a league. Just because the advantage of being in a league, you know, you have media days, you have um, always spring meetings, you have conference calls. There's just a lot more communication that way. Is there one coach you you know the most in the league that you talk to the most? Uh, I have a great deal of respect for the coaches in this league. I mean, just uh, my goodness, I could go through each one of them <laughs> and uh, really are, you know, just, just the credentials, the merits that they have for uh, for what they've been able to achieve on the field, but just high quality human beings. And, and I think that's why this league is really, really good. Uh, we'll end on this coach. Um, what about you? What fact about you would people who are not familiar with you personally would be surprised to, to know about you? Oh, I don't like the shop. <laughs> I, I, I tell my wife all the time, we don't need clothes. We don't need things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, I, I like the people part of things and uh, much more than the thing of things. So, uh, uh, I mean, I think, I don't know if that'd be a surprise, but uh, I mean, that's just kind of the way we live. So how does Christmas uh, go? Our own home. Well, the way Christmas goes, we make sure we remind each other that, uh, <laughs> that it's somebody else's birthday, not ours. So that's where, <laughs> when it comes to gifts, let's not forget that. There you go. How much uh, are you wearing? Like, is it's just the, the closet's just Air Force stuff all the time. Like, it's just, there's something Air Force all the time to make it simple, it sounds like. That's absolutely right. <laughs> uh, and how many times Amanda said, you think we have a few Air Force shirts? Um, and, and, we, and we certainly do. And yeah, but that keeps it simple, too. Well, there you go. Uh, my dad's a retired Marine, and I come from a military family. So uh, if you have any extra, you have an Air Force helmet, or you have anything like that you want to send to the, the studio here, Coach, I, I'd be more than willing <laughs> to, to free up some space for you. That That's absolutely awesome, Chase. And uh, certainly... Thank you for for your family's sacrifices and uh, and your dad's service because uh, it's the way we do have freedoms and we are fortunate in this country just when it truly comes to you know for for greater opportunities when it comes to justice and and when it comes to liberties uh, we live in the United States of America and um, we're grateful and and it certainly begins uh, with our men and women who serve. Well, Coach, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for, for making the time with me today. Um, thank you again, and just get, congrats on a great season, another double-digit win season, a, a bowl win, and uh, just just exciting stuff for the Air Force program. And I'm, I'm happy to see it, and I'm happy to see you and the, the team doing well. Well, thanks a lot. If you ever get out to Colorado Springs, please come by and see us at the Academy. Okay, I might have to take you up on that. I might have to. I've never yeah, been to Colorado. Do, Chase. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas. And I am just, I'm overjoyed that we made this work tonight because I have been trying to get two of my guys, NBA, Atlanta, 
super fans just uh the, the biases uh it, it's it's just overwhelming at times between Malik and Rashad but they're going to put that aside a little bit tonight and join me in the in the non-biased sphere as we examine the NBA. Uh, oh, <laughs> I tried. I tried at the beginning here. Um not a lot of go Hawks though right now. Uh Rashad Milligan of armchair Hawks of oh rolling what is it rolling out? You're rolling in out. a lot of you're in a new spot. You're not in Mississippi anymore. You were in Mississippi the last time we talked. Yep, yep, yep. I was, I was, I was in my apartment, apartment uh, doing okay, this interview, but, but now, now we're, we're, we're back, back home, home in the A, so, so that's where it's where at. We're rolling out. How has it been since you've been back? Man, it's, it's, it's been, been beautiful. beautiful. It's been, it's been beautiful, beautiful, busy. Yeah, and busy. busy. <laughs> I like it. Malik Brown, how about yourself? Hey, man, doing good as always. As always. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, well, we have some stuff to talk about. We'll get to the Hawks in a little bit because there is, uh, there's a lot of a lot of feelings and a lot of a lot of takes on the Hawks, especially today on uh, January fourth, twenty twenty two, where Travis Schlink uh, poured his heart out on ninety two nine the game uh, earlier today about um, the current iteration of the Atlanta Hawks and where they're headed over the next couple weeks before the, the trade deadline, because uh, I have some thoughts and I'm, I imagine both of you guys have some thoughts as well um, on where this team is at the moment. But I want to start um, this week in basketball guys. Um, who have you found yourself watching a lot of lately? Who have, who's caught your eye? Who have you been, who have you been interested in? Let's start with uh, you, Rashad. I don't, I don't have, have the, like the, the cool, cool... You know what I'm saying? Like Kipser being like Desmond Bain. Like I don't have one of those, but I get John Morant and DeMar DeRozan keeping it kind of basic. And then also, you know, a little offbeat, Becky Hammond for sure and Kaitlyn Clark. Kaitlyn Clark scored 44. But a little offbeat, but as far as NBA basketball, definitely DeMar and Ja, just like everybody else in the world. Jaws making everything interesting uh, for Memphis and that well we should actually let's just do that because that's in my notes for our show today um you bring up Jaw and what he's doing and the Grizz I think as of this recording are 10 games over 500 they're flirting for that four or five spot in the west both LA teams are down you have Dallas doing what they can to stay up there Denver's just been decimated by injuries the top three seeds are basically locked up uh, in early January with the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Suns, barring catastrophic injury between those three. Um, but below them, the the Grizz just sit there, and a lot of it is John Morant uh, taking it to another level. A lot of it is just they're healthy. A lot of it is that they're deep. This is a really, really deep group. Um, but there is, there is a ceiling. Um, there's not a lot of room for them above them. They're they're not a realistic challenger as currently constructed for the Suns. They're not a realistic challenger for the Warriors in a seven-game series. But they are winning a lot of basketball games. They are seemingly a team, a young team on the rise. They have so many pieces. You you joked about Desmond Bain, but they do have so many complementary pieces around Jaw. The Jaron Jackson question is uh, continues to be interesting, and what his long-term outlook looks like in Memphis and with jaw. Um, what do you, what do you think when you think about the Grizzlies and where they could go this year and how they should approach uh, the next few weeks? Because they are a, a bit uh, ahead of schedule, I think. 
Yeah, yeah for, for sure, for sure. sure. I think, I think uh, with, uh, with Memphis, Memphis, you think about them the last couple of years, years, they've been, been you know, know, a playing team. team. Every, Every year, year the, a plan has existed in NBA history. So, so you know, thinking, thinking of them as that bubble NBA playoff team, team and then finally they're going to make it this year in the upper half, as you said, you know, looking like a four or five seed. Um, I think think you don't don't brush brush a trade. trade. I don't don't think you do that just now. And, you know, as as we're speaking, you know, JJJ is the leading scorer right now against Cleveland with four minutes left. He has 22. Ja has 18. But I don't think you force a trade right now. With these type of things, they're kind of like the Hawks in the West of where, you know, the Hawks felt like they were ahead of schedule. You kind of just keep that group together, see where they peak. And then and if they, they peak ahead, ahead of schedule, schedule or something like that, like that then, then I think, think the next, next year is when you make moves. So I don't think this is the year for them to make moves. moves. If anything, they, they just kind of see, see how far this group, group can go and then and go, go from there next season if they're looking like they're the same about as they look this year. Malik, what do you think? Yeah, I'm really impressed with what they've done like the past past couple weeks. And I mean, when John went down like in what, November? Everybody, Everybody was kind of like just, just writing them off, like, oh, they ain't about to lose all the games. But they actually, they actually, they actually did pretty, pretty good without them. So it just shows how much depth they have and how much, like, like how, many, how many young pieces, like, like, they can really, like, move if they wanted to make a trade. But I agree with Shia. Like, I don't think you make a move right now. Josh playing out of his mind right now. Jerry Jackson's playing solid. Desmond Bain, like, I know that's a guy that many people don't really say much, say much about, about but I mean, he, his name has been in like, like conversations recently, like, like just the, re- like, like the way he's playing good. good. Um, so I, I, I think they have, have a good squad. squad. I mean, you still got, you got Dylan Brooks. Brooks. I know, I, know, I think I he's hurt right now, but you still got a couple pieces to make something work. Um, I don't think they, they will beat like the top three seeds. And it kind of, it, like, like the situation they're in right now kind of like reminds me of how the Blazers were like, like years ago. Like they were always like, like, in the, in the top, top four, four but, but they never, never like, like really, really just got past anybody. I mean, I mean you would you say you could say because, because of the Warriors, like they played the Warriors a couple times on playoffs, so that was a given. But, but they never really like, like went. They, they never went, went past like, like they never got to the finals. I know they got the conference finals once, but other than that, they really weren't successful. So I hope they don't get in that type of spot that the Blazers were in. So we'll see if they make any moves like this offseason. Well, to bring it back to what Rashad said, I think this is a part of this. It's funny that you were like, well, let's just ride this wave and then run it back and see where we're at next year. Schlink was just talking about that today. Is like, maybe I made a mistake uh, <laughs> running it back. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where, was where was Travis, Travis Schlink on January, January 4th? 4th. <laughs> but, oh, oh I, I, another thing, Chase, like, like, that, that I randomly thought of was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Danny, Danny, Danny Avia. Avia. He's, he's one, one I, guess, I, guess the, I guess, the cool, cool pick, pick quote-unquote, quote who I've been watching that's not the main guy, guy in, in the league because, because like, people, people are just, just like, like, oh, they're, they're in love with his defense. defense. You know, like, you know, he's like, dying mm. on the floor, floor for loose balls and steals and stuff. So I guess Danny Avia would be my cool be my cool pick, whatever. Shout-out to Israel. 10X, 10X, 10X. He just turned 24. Weird fit, though. He it's just a weird fit. The the Wizards are a weird watch. Um, Bradley Beal and he's a league guard. I like that. Uh, he had like seventeen assists the other night. Um, just doing a lot. Uh, and that loss to the the Bulls, I think, is where he really went off as the league guard because Dinwiddie was out and uh, they were pretty short handed. But um, I don't know. I just 
it, it, it's interesting because when we're talking about like who we've been watching and stuff like that, one, one of the things that I've run into, and I'm curious about you guys, where like I have a team a week, uh, shout out to Carlin Gay of NBA.com who put me on this, is just that like a better, because I would sometimes overwhelm myself with trying to watch too much and watch, try to watch too many teams and be as uh, fluent in what every team is running and what they're doing as humanly possible uh, for this very podcast, but um, it's not sustainable. So what I do instead, uh, and what he does is a team a week. So I just pick one team along with the Hawks, obviously watching them, but like, um, watching, just picking one team and following them along for a week, kind of like a beat writer and just diving in and seeing what they look like that particular week to get a good feel of where they're at. But the last, I don't know, three weeks, um, I didn't do that. I bounced around and I've just, I've watched a lot more NFL and a lot more college, but part of that is because, the the just the covid ramifications of the last few weeks it's so hard to peel back anything from what we've seen on the court it looks like we're finally starting to turn the corner with a lot of these guys and the the shortened protocols changes that a little bit but by and large man i just i have no takes from the last few weeks of nba basketball because if folks really just dive in and spend the time that uh i spend every morning pounding through box scores and uh as i'm doing plus you're just like what are we there's no reason for any kind of takes at the moment like let's wait until everybody's back to relative normal hopefully by the end of january but until then i just i struggle with really locking in with one team and following them along to the uh, a great extent because there's just the rosters are still just so weird and so all over the place yeah, and yeah. so so out of alignment with what we're accustomed to that I just I, I don't know I can't I can't really dive all the way in so I've kind of lost interest until it I, I just I've kind of taken my own vacation from the NBA in a way I guess <laughs> you, you haven't yeah, been interested in uh, uh, the, the Matt McClung, McClung NBA debut view uh nba version no but him as a college player was an absolute uh assassin and terrifying terrifying individual he had this uh game winner in the texas tech texas game last year do you remember this yes he is a he's a closer man that guy is he was was the high high school school, you know know, like like a high school school legend legend, you know know? like zion him him, demar DeRozan, rosen uh john wall like that's the greatest high school takes I like that. Have you just been? How much time did you spend just diving in some Matt McClung high school tapes? No, no, no. Uh, Mac. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> literally someone I've been watching, watching since high school. school. So, okay. So that's <laughs> I miss those days when I was younger and had a lot more free time, and especially in undergrad and late high school. The amount of time I spent watching Andrew Wiggins tape, like just the the Maple oh, Jordan man. stuff. All of that back in the day. I miss that. Just watching high school kids and just in YouTube and be like, oh, yeah, this dude, he's the guy. Look at this high school tape. He's great. Yeah. And just pretending that I'm an expert because I spent two and a half hours <laughs> diving through some grainy uh, Canadian basketball tape. Yeah, that was that was living the dream, guys. Uh, that's how... That's how we were vibing. Some people go to parties. Whoa. I go into uh, Canadian grainy uh, basketball <laughs> tapes. I, I, think I think that's what Hawks fans do with Cam Reddish now. Mm. doesn't have much college film. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what did Cam... Coming out early with the Cam, with the cam, with the cam, cam takes. takes. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what did Cam do to deserve that stray? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. 
at least he's available, unlike a certain lottery pick who we traded up for. Like, at least he's oh, available. Man. At least he's yeah, available. He's available. Mm-hmm. Did, did he did play, he play last, last night? night? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey. I will say, though, it's still more available than a certain uh, Hawks wing that uh, yeah, right, the Atlanta right. Hawks traded up for. Um, but uh, they did, did say he is, is tracing me. This is tracing me. Very, very tracing me. Grady, Grady like. like. <sighs> thirty uh, points. Thirty points. Go out for a week. Here's the annoying thing about those two: is I just Cam's going to get traded. Like there, I just don't see a scenario where he is on this roster uh, by the end of the season. But I just, I don't see any way he's not really good somewhere else. If he go, he just needs to go to a bad team. Like if he goes to Indiana, if he goes to Orlando, if he goes to even Detroit or something Detroit. like, I, I think he's going to be good somewhere else where he can just fail, play 38 minutes and just figure it out. But it's never going to happen here. And just the the combination of that and the timelines mismatching in Atlanta along with DeAndre Hunter who I said before last year was just the the injury stuff was always there and availability is such a discounted part of any title run and any kind of kind of team makeup that I wanted to sell high immediately um DeAndre Hunter with the the, the point forward stuff we saw early last year where it was like oh he's doing some stuff off the dribble now he's shooting threes off the dribble he's creating his own shot I'm like trade him now 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 before teams figure out that this knee is going to explode or something else is going to happen um i just he's a good player but i just i don't think the availability will ever be there so i'd rather not just uh be frustrated over uh things i can't control and uh over things he can't control with his injuries uh over the next several years because i just i think certain guys are just plagued with that kind of injury plight over the course of their prime and i think he's he's one of them and it's it's quite frustrating because they traded up in the lottery for him and they really need him especially when you watch uh, a lot of atlanta hawks defense uh this season deandre hunter would be really nice to have out there And it's crazy. defense is still bad when both of them are healthy, by the way. Like, like we mentioned that on our last podcast. Both of them were healthy at the beginning of the season. They, they were still giving up 130, 120. It was pretty frustrating. Well, a lot of that was Capella, too. Capella was bad early this year. Capella, but also that might have been injuries. Like, Capella's a slow starter, and he wasn't all the way right, but... I will say it was pretty bleak when I saw that the Hawks were pushing Clint Capella for the all-star team on Twitter the other day. That was pretty bleak. Oh, Trey did it. Trey did it. Uh, oh, no. His first day, he posted, oh, no. he posted Clint, uh, John, John, and then himself. Mm. You know, the comments under the Clint were pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty brutal. But I just, why are we doing that? Like, he's a great role player. Why are we having to do this and make it more, unco- like, why do we have to have this argument? Like, Clint's a good player. He's not an all-star. Why well, do we I have mean, to do this? Year, he had a, a pretty good argument. argument. So, so I think, I think it's, it's more, more so, so like people are trying to show him. Trying to show him, you know, that type of support of being like, hey, big fella, you should have made it last year. Well, let's try again. Uh, they they did run it back they certainly tried <laughs> but i mean did y'all feel the same because i don't think we talked about the hawks before the season even got started about and just them bringing everybody back but also just <sighs> they paid everybody and herder was an important cog and i i still am a long-term kevin herder truther and his value to this team and keeping things going on the court but <sighs> you pay collins capella's already been paid trade's been paid 
Um, Cam and DeAndre are in a weird spot. Bogey's been paid. Um, Gallo has a gigantic contract still. Um, just a lot of guys got paid and you have just a lot of mouths to feed. And a lot of it is like, why is Lou Williams still playing basketball for the Atlanta Hawks? Why is he not in the Udonis Haslam role? Like I would sign <laughs> Lou Williams to a lifetime Atlanta Hawks contract where he is just our fifth guard <laughs> for the remainder of the 2020s. Like I'm here for that. That would be cool. Uh, shout out to South Gwinnett High School. And Scarter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm okay with that, but he should not be out there. And I, it, it was getting bleak the other night when I saw Brad roll in front of the pod. Brad roll shout out to Parkview High School, both Brad, uh, Parkview uh, alums yeah. here. Uh, shout, shout out to out Brad, Brad for uh, giving uh, my start, start and, and, and giving me my, my first, first ever local bread, bread as, as a child. child. Shout out to Brad. First ever loaf of bread. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Brad, Brad, you know, you know Brad, Brad, he really, really put, put me on the map, map and, and, and fed, fed me, you know, so mm. I appreciate it. <laughs> nice guy. Nice guy, Brad Rowland. Nice guy. Um, but yeah, I just, this was a problem that we were going to run into is that there were a lot of mouths to feed and this was going to be a really difficult needle for coach nate to to thread and he just hasn't and i i just think this is going to be so complicated and i don't envy the position travis schlink's in at the moment and trying to decide who stays who goes how do we get through this because i'm sure there's a lot of ownership pressure because this is now suddenly a very expensive basketball team that is not in the playoffs the playoffs start today um there's really no path i i think for them to really get back into the top top uh, group of the East. I think that ship's probably sailed this year, but I do think they're a danger. They could still be a dangerous team in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture and a team that nobody, like nobody wants Trey Young in a seven game series um, in the first round. Yeah, that is yeah. not something anybody's interested in. Um, but, and this was something that we were talking about in the, the Atlanta sports guys group chat was that Trey is now gone to another level. Like Trey is now an even better player. Like he is undoubtedly a top 10 player in this league. And it's just, now being wasted like this we're now in wasting trey's <laughs> talents and wasting prime trey and i i posited to them i was just that like we have to see ultimately what happens over the next couple of weeks we have to see what moves are made and i'm curious how much he is involved in uh in this process i'm sure he's going to have a say and a voice in the room about the the hawks direction uh over the next couple of weeks and has some thoughts uh as to why things have been as uh troublesome as they've been but um what do you what do you guys think ultimately has plagued them and do you think they ultimately do uh sorry you malik yeah yeah it's, it's crazy, crazy because um in our, in our, in our podcast, podcast last week, week we were we were, we were talking about the hawks and in Rashad went, went down the whole roster literally touched, touched on the whole every, every player. player and and, and i mean, mean he, he, he kept it real. He was, was kind of just like, like you know, no, this guy's not performing like this, and this guy's too old, this guy's washed, and all this other stuff. And then Travis Flint comes on 92.9 this morning, and it's kind of like he's saying the same thing, but he ain't name dropping. So the only thing Rashad different was name drop. But it's really tough to even think how this team would look when they're healthy because it's like we've seen the team – Healthy, and they, they did not, not look, look good. good. And mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the season, they were they were, they were losing games. And, I mean, they're still losing games. They should win, but it was, was kind of like you know that, that big losing streak they had. And Nate, Nate was like, was I remember at one time, Nate was 
they they benched the long for like a couple of games and was and was starting. I mean, we're not starting, but getting Lou off the bench. And people was like, like, you traded DeLon, right? You traded for DeLon, right, to not play him? But you play Lou Williams, who, you know, is on the vet minimum, and he's not performing, he's not playing defense. Like, his shot is shot, like, it's bad. And then you got Gallo, if he's not hitting the shot, he's damn near not doing anything else. I mean, he's not great defensively, so... The main, the main problem, problem with this team is, is defense. defense. I, mean, I mean, you can get, you all, get the all the guys back, maybe like in the next week or so, but, but if, if you don't fix that, because I mean, as, as you can see, offense is not the problem. problem. They're, putting they're putting up, up like they put up, up one, what, 130 last, last night. They're, they're putting, putting up over 100 points without their top guy. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who's going to the thing. We can't put it all on the under 100 because. It's, it's deeper than that. You can't put it all on Cam Reddish because it's deeper than that. Like, like it's going to take, take a collective group effort. So, so and until they get that fixed, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think this team is going to be very successful going forward. forward. Do you think they flip the script, Rashad? Do, do I think do they flip the script this year with, with the current group? group? No, mm. um, but I don't. No, think they're going to finish. But I don't. But I don't think they're going to finish the year with this current group. That was a plot twist. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think uh, stays? What, who do you think goes? What, what Slank said, said on the radio, radio pretty much pretty sounded, sounded like, like they were going to make a, a, a minor, minor move. move. Like it like wasn't going to be a blockbuster move, move, but it was going to be something like it. But you've seen from Slank uh, in, recent in recent years, years he, he referenced he last year's trade of, of Rondo for Lou. He said something like that, where it might have seen minor, and then he referenced the Braves of how. You know, double you know, uh, 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 A over there, there. Yeah, yeah, with the Braves, Braves made, you know, a couple know, minor, minor tweaks, tweaks when they had guys out for the season and then they won them a whole championship. championship. So uh, I think I that's, that's what he's, he's kind of looking, looking at is something, something then, you know, you know maybe, maybe a little, a little different. different. Like, I don't know. You know, we, we're talking about we're talking about passing later. Uh, and then and also, also I, I was, was just looking at, you know, the Rubio injury and kind of, you know, another hawk. Uh, BG, BG Brandon, Brandon Goodwin stepping up for them, them and Cleveland, Cleveland loves him and stuff. stuff. But uh, maybe you got like a Composo like or something. I don't know. Like, like that I like Composo. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when you talk, talk about passing and like mm-hmm. uh, the, the future of passing in the league, you know, I think he's at the forefront of like just flashy, you know, Rob Perez, you know, Wolf has like that entire, you know, thread of Composo making passes from him. Dating, dating back to, to last, last season. season. But, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, man, man. It's, it's just like, like I think the, the, the minor move for whoever they get at the deadline, deadline for, you know, whether it's Jang, TLC, Gallo, Lou, a couple other guys, you know, like whoever you could think of pretty much, not name Trey Young or John Collins. You know, I just think it's going to be very interesting who they get back and how that, how that person that they, that they trade, trade for fits. fits. Because, because usually when Slank makes moves, for the most part, part when, when he's, he's not, not doing it as a money, money grab or a money move or, or future assets, assets accumulating assets, assets for the future move, move, it works. works. Like, like Clank Capella, Capella worked. worked. Uh, uh, Lou last year worked, worked for half the season. season. It was better than what Rondo was giving you for half the season. Uh, uh, so, you know so what I'm saying? Like, like that, that's, that's the thing that I'm interested, interested in, is how the guy that, that he trades for fits, fits and, and how quickly does it turn, turn things around, around for them. Because I think that's, that's what's going to happen. 
I would love for the Timberwolves to fall off a cliff so we could trade for Pat Bev. <laughs> mm. Would love Pat Bev. Oh, the same season the Hawks have Lance Stevenson and, and Patrick Beverly. That would be okay with me. Lance Stevenson's not a good basketball player in 2022. <laughs> that next game was bad. He was, he was quite bad. Yeah. Every game, though. <laughs> Every game, though. That's true. That was so sad that that was our debut on Christmas. And I was watching that uh, actually on the way home uh, back to Atlanta in the car. And it was uh, it was not not the way you want to do it, not the way you want to travel, where it was uh, it's really frustrating. Um a lot of people were in on the the Knicks uniforms in that one, and I didn't understand that. I didn't think those were good. I, the the Yellow Hawks uniforms this year are just top notch. I wish they would wear them all the time. They're, they got a ring in them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 A ring pretty bad. Didn't they win one home game in them? Or am I? Or am I tripping? They won an away game in them. They won the Philly game in them. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, the Philly game without anybody except for it was just John Collins on the kick. And uh, Bogey okay. hit like two jump shots. Oh, you're out on Bogey. <laughs> it was just like, he's been bad all season. And he hit literally two jump shots in the final two minutes in that game in Philadelphia. And people were like, see, this is why you trust Bogey. This is why you trust Bogey. And I was like, dude, like, like. He's, he's been, been missing, missing all year. No, but he had a drought last year. That's the thing. Bogey had a drought last year. And when he got it going, he got it going. So it's like, well, you take two months of a drought or two months of he's the greatest shooter to ever live, I'll take that. I don't know. But it's taken a little while for him to get to the greatest shooter to ever live this year. I'm fascinated, and I agree with you. I don't think they're going to take the the big swing, the disruptor type thing. But I think if things really don't turn around, the summer is the time to do it anyway. Like a lot of these major pieces being moved don't happen until the summer anyway. So um, I would not expect uh, any kind of blockbuster. But I do, I do agree with your point there, Rashad. Um, the return of Kyrie means what for for Brooklyn, uh, Malik? Uh, part-time, part-time Kyrie. Kyrie. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll be they'll good. Be they'll be good, good in road games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're still, they're still. still they're, they're, I, 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 I mean, they're, they're at the top of the East, but, but I mean, like, like, like you saw against Memphis, like they they can be beat like any night. Like I mean, I like the way James has stepped up for sure. From the beginning of the season to where he is right now, like you can clearly see there's a big difference. Like I think he's more involved in offense. He's looking to score now. Because at the beginning of the season, he wasn't looking to score, and it was like, yo, you know Kyrie's not here. Like, you know, you know you aren't James Harden, right? So it was kind of like him not knowing who he was, and Kevin Durant was just scoring 30 games. But, um, but I mean, at the same time, it's like you still got two of the best scores on, in, the, in the game, like on the same team. So any, anything can happen. But, um, yeah, I, I think Kyrie coming back for the role game will be pretty big for them. Um. I just, I just don't, don't know how – I don't know how it's going to work. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life where, where a player just plays the role games and he doesn't come home. Like, like, like is it – like, isn't that a chemistry problem? Like, it's going to be – No, uh, Cam Reddish. Cam Do y'all just not want Cam Reddish to ever appear on my podcast? 
you're just like, I got to go ahead and nip this in the bud. No Cam Reddish in the Chase Thomas podcast. We need to go ahead and wrap this up. Look, look, look. If you, if you just know, if you get him, delete mm. the episode. Good. 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 God is good. To God be the glory. God is good. I'm just playing. Cam's a good guy. Cam's a good dude. You can't do all that. We've, he's caught two strays in this podcast for no reason. He's minding his business. <laughs> because, because people, yeah, they, they talk, talk about, about Cam, Cam like he's just Jesus. And, and he's not he's Jesus. Jesus. He's potential Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretical <laughs> Jesus. Case, have you ever been in the Hawk in the Hawk spaces? In the Hawks what? Spaces on uh, Twitter spaces. Like after oh, the game? Malik. Malik, Malik. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. You need to go in there one day when nope, Kim not happening. the game, mm-hmm. and I want you to hear the tape. One time somebody <laughs> said that Kim Reddish it could potentially be better than Trey, and I left that for that. <laughs> yeah, that's not, it's probably not going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to sign off on that one. But do you know what the thing about Cam is, and this is something that we can't discount, is that sports, and especially professional sports, is ultimately an entertainment thing. Cam Reddish is entertaining all the time when he's on the court. Cam Reddish is a fun player at all times. He is a box office boon, man. That man is Leo DiCaprio (laughs) on the floor because you just... You know you're gonna get have a good time when you watch his movies or his game tape. Like you're gonna have fun. He's gonna do something weird. He's gonna do something that you don't expect, and it's gonna be a delight. Cam Reddish is box office, uh, just box office, a box office delight. Oh, I forgot. Oh, go ahead. First take. I forgot. Was it? Was it Stephen A. Or somebody said that somebody was box office. It's true, man. It's a sport. And I want this to be entertaining. And Cam Reddish on my television screen is entertaining at all times. <laughs> no, that, that, I can agree with you. We can agree with that. Yeah, that's that's what we want. I mean, uh, nobody wants some of the bo- like the boring bad is the worst. Like the Raptors are a tough watch for me. I, I see the clips on Twitter yeah. and I see the the stat heads and they're all great and really talented writers and people. But I, I refuse to believe that anyone enjoys watching the Toronto Raptors in the half court. I refuse to believe that anyone enjoys <laughs> them straining for a bucket after a bucket after a bucket and Pascal Siakam have to do way too much in that scheme because they just don't have the offensive firepower. Like I, I refuse to believe that that is entertaining to anyone outside of Nick nurse. who's like, great, great stuff, guys. Way to fight. Um, Rashad, what would you do if you were Boston right now? Oh, Boston. Boston. Mm-hmm. You're Brad Stevens. Oh. I, really I really don't, don't want to come on, on, on your podcast, podcast and just sound crazy. crazy. <laughs> this is a great start to this answer. I don't know where this is going. I think, I think at some, at some point, point, and people, people talk, talk about, about it. You know, mm-hmm. like, this, 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 this is a mainstream kind of discussion here. I think you choose Jalen Brown over JJ Taylor. Oh yikes! Okay. 
But see, I want Jalen Brown in Atlanta. We got to bring Wheeler's own back. Bring him back home. For who? Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter? Oh, and every pick. Yeah, it's Cam Reddish. It's probably John Collins. Like, I, I would give up those three for, for Jalen. Oh. I don't know I'm about that, that one. I'm not going to lie to you, Chase. For John, all three. Cam and who else? And Dre. Yeah. And, and, and Dre? Oh, man. That's, That's a lot. Hey. I get Josh Richardson back in the deal. Get some stuff. <laughs> Maybe uh, the the theoretical uh, six man in Romeo Langford. Bring him over. Um, but no, I just I, I really like Jalen Brown and the kind of wing that you can rely on. And it's just like, oh, it, get rid of all the Cam and DeAndre and maybe even Bogey minutes. I giving up John Collins would hurt. Um, that would scare me a bit, especially with team chemistry. But Jalen Brown is he's one of the few difference makers on both ends that. I just feel like he would slide in so well next to Trey. And I think they would play so well next to each other. Like Tatum would be a disaster uh, next to Trey. I don't think that would uh, work Ooh, whatsoever. Yeah. But Brown? Yeah, Brown with Trey? I, the upside and just potentially having two top 15 players. Because right now the Hawks have no path to two top 15 players. So they can't contend um, as presently constructed. Um, that's why fans just lose their minds over Cam. And why I get frustrated with DeAndre is just that like one of these guys have to pop. And if they don't, um, then the Hawks have to act fast. Because then Trey's prime or early prime, early, early prime is is wasted because there's no path. To you being the Nets, there's no path to you being the Bucks. Um, if one of these other players don't turn into top twenty, top fifteen players to to ease the burden for Trey, um, but that's that's the broader conversation that I that I struggle with, and we're gonna we're seeing it play out right now, and that's what makes Schlink stuff complicated. I didn't yeah, mean to bring that back to the Hawks, but um, that's interesting. Tatum <laughs> over Brown, but, but, it's, it's, but I, look I look at them. them you know that that's been mm. the discussion for the past um team years. It feels like. like. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just like, like, dude, I don't know. I, I feel, feel like, like JB, he just kind of, has shown, he might, he might just be the best, best player. player. <laughs> He's an easier player to put on a lot of different winning teams, right? Like, I think he is, you could pull him out of there and put him in a lot of different contenders and they're infinitely better. You put Jason Tatum on a lot of the current contenders and I just, I, I don't know. Um I, it, the there's a Westbrook lot. Effect? No, he's not Russell Westbrook. Um, <laughs> not, not, not even in the slightest. And I don't want to go on here and disparage. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I have to tell you. I don't, I don't remember. Remember, remember the, the last, last time, time we, we were talking. talking. But we, we were talking, talking about, about top ten point guard. Oh, I know where you're going, and, and you were. Yeah, are you going to apologize? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had him. I think twenty third or something. Is this where you're offering me a, an apology? Okay. I apologize. I tried to warn you. Like, I, I didn't know that this was coming. This was always coming. And for folks who are like, no one saw the Lakers, the collapse. I mean, there were people who were literally putting the Lakers in the finals before the season. I I didn't have them in the playoffs. Like, I did not have the Lakers. In the, no, I still the, think... The thing that scared, scared me about the mm-hmm. Lakers, though, Chase, is like, like, I literally said this the year uh, they got Anthony Davis, and I'm like... like you think a team with Anthony Davis that didn't make the playoffs last year is going to win the championship? So that scared me. Like, that terrified me, honestly, before this season. Because I'm like, LeBron, I thought LeBron was done the year they missed the playoffs. Like, you know, like, AD is not enough. He's not available enough. Like, I didn't think it was enough. And they won. And so 
It's kind of like, like a similar, similar team. team. Dwight's, Dwight's back. back. Rondo's back. back. Uh oh. I keep wanting to throw, you know, LeBron. LeBron. He's, He's done. done. He's, He's over with. He's cooked. cooked. But he, he just, just keeps, keeps coming, coming back, back and doing, doing what he what does. He does. And while, while LeBron, LeBron has missed more, more games, games than usual, usual kind of offensive end at least. He's, He's been, been doing, doing what he usually does. does. But AD, AD has been the AD, AD that I expected that, that year. year. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, with AD, he got the ring. Like, he already proved it. And, like, AD at his absolute peak is a top three, top four player in this league. Right, the problem right. is that takes a bunch out of him to do that kind of run that he did in the bubble. And I just, that might have been the peak. Um, unfortunately, for AD. How do you feel about Kawhi? Do you, do you feel like that? That's like like Kawhi's case, case as well. I think Kawhi would have retired uh four years ago if this was like the mid nineties. I think <laughs> what they're doing is like because he misses so many games and because he's just uh he they just what was the I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I remember when they started talking about Kawhi's knee and just how it functions and where it's at and just like. Um, there's a canceled comedian who has a uh, a bit uh, from years ago where he was like, uh, he went to the doctor and I don't know if you guys know where I'm going with this, but they were like, your ankle, he was like, my ankle hurts. And he's like, okay. He's like, uh, what can you do about it? And he's like, uh, nothing, you're, you're old, so it's shitty now. And that's how I, I view Kawhi's knee is just that like, it's just a bad knee and it's just a, a bad situation where I don't think it's getting any better. I think it's just they're trying to get as many games out of Kawhi as humanly possible as a peak top three, top five player and hope and hope that comes in the playoffs with Paul George also playing out of his mind. They're also threading a a very fine line and a very uh, thin needle or whatever the expression is. It's late. So don't hold me to that. However, Kawhi. They're threading something. Something's being threaded. Something I can confirm is being thread in both LAs. But yeah, I don't know. Kawhi, I think if he's available, is still a top five player. But I, I think he showed more than Anthony Davis during his prime years, right? Like, I think he showed more um, over just with the Spurs year alone, especially what he was early on in San Antonio. Um, but. I think the the Clippers are not going to be able to finesse this to a title. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think this group is all going to be together healthy at the same time to make this all work. Kawhi's it, probably it's done. I love Terrence Mann. He's fun. Terrence Mann's yeah. an actually fun guy. But if you want to ha- sound smart on NBA Twitter or just in, in real life, just start talking about Desmond Bain. Just be like, Desmond Bain. <laughs> That's a good one. Desmond Bain is the guy that people don't talk about, man. Take from the leaks quote earlier. He's a safe one. Or like Alec Burks does a lot for New York that a lot of people just take for granted. Alec Burks, yeah. The guy's a hooper. He just he he gets buckets um, for a struggling uh, New York team. That's that's what he does. Um, friend of the pod, David Thorpe, uh, writes for True Hoop. He wrote a really good piece on the past, and he was looking at the future of dominant NBA basketball and like what is going to be the next trait that flips teams. And his example uh, was, the, or his his thesis was uh, the pass. And he outlined just different players and how they've expanded their game. And he had some great stuff on Kyle Lowry and how he has evolved and his flamethrower balls in the corner. And that is where he sees things changing. Is that like with 
refs now getting more uh giving more leeway to defenders uh to draw in contact well okay if you're going to do that and players are not going to finish at the rim as well they're not going to go to the line as often they're going to have more contested shots well then something else has to give and what has to give is the passing and what like just finding guys on cuts finding guys in the corner finding guys uh who are constantly moving so you have to be caught you have to constantly move and you have to do all of that but i do think that's interesting is that might be the way to look at if this kind of basketball this brand of basketball that we've seen in 2021 2022 in the nba is here to stay then thorpe's uh point is that hey then you better learn to pass and your team better be filled with gifted passers because that's the only way you're going to be able to survive and thrive in uh modern nba basketball uh what do you think rashad uh, first, uh, first things first, first I just want to say shout out to, out to, to David. David. I mean, like, like uh, and True Hoop, man, True Hoop back in the day, man, they, they used to be it. But uh, they're still it. It's great stuff. Shout out to yeah, Henry yeah, yeah. and the whole team, Drod, all them. Yeah, like, like people, people who can, can write something, something like that of like, like predicting, predicting the future of where the game, game is going. I don't know. Like it's just like, dude, your mind is on like another level to like like see something like that. Anyway. So, 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 so shout, shout out to True Hoop as well. well. Uh, and, 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 and I said used to, uh, uh, Chase, because, because my folks, folks used to be at True Hoop, and they're no longer there. That's why, right. like, in my Ooh. mind, I'm like, yeah. mm. uh, but, but shout, shout out to E, shout, shout out to uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Johnson, Johnson, both my guys. Anyway, anyway I'm getting off track. Uh, 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 how I feel about it is, I mean, like, he's right. I mean, the examples he gave, it was well written, and I love the examples and the people, like, LaMelo's, like, the stuff that Melo does, does sometimes, bro, I'll just be like, like bro, like, 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 how'd you how'd even think, think to, like, like attempt this on an NBA floor, you know? And and Jokic, he gave some Jokic examples and stuff. And, like, we were talking earlier about Composo and, like, some of the passes he makes. I just think, you know, and Trevor was also mentioned in it. It always comes back to the hospital. But, you know, I mean, I agree with it. Uh, you, uh, you just, just look at some of the passing and uh, that has been happening uh, recently, recently and, and in recent years, and, and it's kind of absurd some of the stuff that you see. And, and, and I feel like it's stuff that we haven't seen since, since you know. Ah, I don't want to go, but white chocolate and and Magic Johnson. But yeah, that's all I had. I like it. I like it. What about you, Malik? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read it, but. But I definitely, I, 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 I did read it, but I mean, for, 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 like, just get a gist of it, like, I mean, I do think passing is kind of like, like mm-hmm. it's pretty cool just to watch nowadays, like, I mean, like, like Rashad said, you got, you got Trey, like, I've been watching Trey since his rookie season, like, almost every game, like, just to see the passes that he's made, and he just continues to make his life, like, he, he still fools me sometimes, like, he fooled me last night, I thought he was, Throwing the pass to the corner, he threw a lob up to Capella, and I'm like, wow. So, I mean, him, then you got like Lamelo, like the underhand passes, the half court, full court passes that he makes is crazy. Of course, Jokic does stuff behind his back, where it's like, how did you even know he was there? Um, shoot, I mean, even now, like, and I know we were talking about like guys where you, you know your name. To make me seem smart on NBA Twitter, but I, I think Josh Giddy is one of those guys too. Like mm. coming in, like guys who just like the key like, of the year. Yeah, like Giddy, Giddy's a passer. Like he can do this, but I mean, I've seen it. Like the dude can he he makes some nice passes. So I'll definitely put him in there as far as like up and coming, like dudes like that. But I mean, 
That's, That's how, how like, like impactful passing is. is. And yeah. it's just like, like, you, like, like, you, you look, look at, at a game, game like last, last night, night against Portland, Portland and like, like Trey was the most dominant player on the, at 6'1". In the and Eastern Conference Finals against 6'10", Giannis, who, you know, who like, like did what he did, did in the finals and everything like that and had his playoff run last year. He was the most dominant player on the floor in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. 6'1". You know, you know, a guy a that, that, you know, coming, coming into, into the, the draft, draft in 2018, 2018 uh, he's too small. small. He's, he's, you know, he, he, won't, he won't be able, be able to, to hold up for 82-game season because at the, at the end of a 30-something game season in Oklahoma, he, he gassed, gassed out at the end there and, you know, did nothing at the end of the at the end of the year, second half of the year. And, like, he has found a way to be the most. And I think it's because of his passing and his playmaking ability because it just opens so much for him. Uh, uh, as far as scoring, of, of course, his speed and his ability now, now to, to, to hit the mid range. It always, it always comes back to the Hawks. Hawks. But anyways, anyways that, that was well, it. that's that what's going to happen with three Hawks guys. <laughs> like, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. That's okay. I think folks know when they come to the Chase Thomas podcast, there's a there's a possibility that something might revert back to Atlanta or the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> Both are very possible. Uh, we don't have to do that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, guys. Tiki, though, and the Lady Vols. Lady Vols are back. Top 10. Yeah, Kelly Harper's awesome. Kelly Harper's good. No, Tennessee is an everything school. People forget that. We're good at everything. Like, we're not like Georgia where we just take the rest of sports off. We don't do that. We don't have a Tom Crean involved here. We have a top 25 men's basketball program, a top 25 women's basketball program. We have a college world series baseball program. We have a champion ladies softball program. We, we dominate rowing. Shout out to the rowing team, football, going bowling. We're the first team. Uh, we were the, I think the only team this past year to have a team go to the NCAA men's tournament, women's tournament, college world series and a bowl game. Um, it's just a, it's an everything school. <laughs> I, I just worry sometimes, Rashad, that people forget the excellency that uh, that is the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville. Uh, I talk. I will say though, in all seriousness, guys, I the the last I I went through a four day stretch of sports where uh, at the end of Sunday afternoon I I turned to the sports renaissance woman and I was just like I I don't know what I'm doing with this anymore. I, I need to just emotionally <laughs> uh, disengage with my choices on fandom because the Falcons lost in the way they lost with Matt Ryan's uh, goal line situation to go back to how Tennessee lost to Purdue on Thursday and then how Tennessee men's basketball team blew a just they they were leading the entire game against Alabama on the road uh, shorthanded without Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson it was just a it was a it was a stretch of time where I just I couldn't do it and you you combine that with just the Hawks being what the Hawks are I, I just I can't I can't do it. If the Braves did not win a, a world title just a few months ago, I don't I don't know where I'd be. Remember the Braves are the world, world champions. Champion. People do forget that the Braves are the world champions. They might be the world champions for a full extra year, uh, it looks like. 
Who knows? Uh, they don't play baseball again, then uh, they just get to stay the champs. It's fine with me. It's fine with me. Um, we're going to pause real quick for a break uh, for a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. All right. We are back here on the Chase Noise podcast where I am joined my good friends, Malik and Rashad. Guys, a couple of quick things before we wrap up here on uh, this edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. But um, the Cavs lost Ricky Rubio for the season. He was going off in that game. It happened a few days ago now. But they trade for Ronda, which is essentially the same thing as 2022 Ricky Rubio. Um, <laughs> tough break for Cleveland. <laughs> they were fun. And Evan Mobley, man, I did not see this coming. I don't know what y'all thought about Mobley coming into the draft, but that man is already dominant and is going to be a full-fledged superstar in the next year or two. It's it's already here. Like, he is here. He's dominant. He is so different than every other player in the NBA right now. He is so much fun to watch. I've watched a bunch of Cavs this year. And then Darius Garland, who I've always been high on, has really come through. I love his rainbow threes. He's he's a lot of fun. They play big. They do weird stuff. J.B. Vickerstaff. Finally found the route, uh, the right role in Cleveland, which is cool. But yeah, man, I I don't know what how big of a blow this is for the Cavs as they fight for the playoffs, but it is just a major bummer because that was a really under the radar signing for them, and he has just been electric for that group. And his loss, I think, is just it's it's a brutal blow uh, for Cleveland, who really looked like they were going to turn the corner and prove a lot of folks wrong, including myself coming into the year. Um, what did, what did you make all uh, of all that, Malik? Well, I think I'm going to do some more apologizing because mm. before the season started, uh, Shad told me to watch out for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I was like, "Are you serious?" Mm. <laughs> like, I was just like, I mean, just after just looking at what they had been doing, been doing like the past couple seasons, it was like, like I just felt like it, it still wasn't their time yet. And I mean, I don't know if it was because of. If the Darius and the Colin section backcourt wasn't working, which was still, which is still like, like just watching it was just kind of weird. Like I just didn't know how that would work. But I mean, shoot, I think Colin Sexton going down. But I mean, hopefully recovers. But him going down was probably one of the best things for the Cavs. Like they just because they just went on a tear. And then you got Ricky Rubio coming off the bench, like playing how he was playing was amazing. Evan Mobley, like. I didn't, I didn't expect, expect him to be. Him. I know I coming into the draft, draft, like everybody was so high on him, on him. But, but just seeing it, it hurt, like seeing it on the screen, screen like seeing it in person, like like, like, like this dude has. has he he reminds me of AD. AD. I can't I lie. lie, like like he gives off AD vibes to me without the injuries. So I mean, you know, AD without injuries, pretty solid guy. But and I don't know if Evan Mobley's going to turn out to be as good as AD, but like his body, his physique, like like he's giving off AD. So. I mean, I, mean, I, I think, think this is going to be a major blow. I don't think Rondo is going to come in and be Rubio like he, he he's, he's just not. not. I don't know why. I mean, I, mean, I get it. You need you need depth, so you bring in Rondo, Rondo but, but you're not, not going to get that same production that you got from Rubio from Rondo. So I I think I think they'll probably still be like maybe middle of the pack. But, but I don't I expect them to, to make much noise now since Rubio now. now. But I, I, I like, like what they have, they have going on uh, up there. Here. Rashad, what do you what do you think? You were high on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I followed the Cavs, the Cavs um, like really, really closely, closely last year, year because I, I, I called them the Cobb Cavs. 
Because, you know, they had, like, like two, two guys, guys from, from, from Cobb in the starting lineup. lineup. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I was a Wait, who are the two guys from Cobb? Uh, Coral and uh, Sexton. Oh, Sexton. I forgot Sexton was from Cobb. Yeah, yep. yep. So, 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 like, so like, I, like, like the Cobb, Cobb Cavs, I followed them pretty closely close last year. And um, um, so, so I already, I already knew, what, knew what, what they had and what they were, they were working, working with then. Everything, everything like, like Sexton, Sexton was a borderline, borderline all-star, all-star last year. And, and um, Garland, Garland, DG, I've been following him since high school as well. I covered him in McDonald's. And so I knew what DG was about. And Okor was one of the better rookies last year. I know he's had a rocky start this year. And he's gotten it going a little bit more lately. But, yeah, man, like I just already knew what they were working with coming into the season. And I already knew Rubio has always kind of been one of those – um, um, under under, under the, the radar, radar guys, guys just, just because he hasn't lived up to, to Pete Maravich expectations <laughs> coming out the draft um, two years ago when, 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 when he was like Magic, Magic Johnson in Spain and, and all that when he was 15, 15 and, everything, and everything but, but um, like, like I always knew Ricky Rubio was one of those better guys, guys in the league, league. and then and as far as Mobley like this entire draft was so hyped coming in and even just watching I didn't get to study this draft as much as I got to study 2020 but, but from the from little bit that, that I saw, I did watch Mobley, I did watch Singun, and a couple other guys, guys or whatever. whatever. But, but out of all those guys, guys, they like really impressed me. me. And you, and you like, like even, even you know, I mentioned BJ Boston, Boston earlier. That was that what, what pick, pick 50, 50, you know, 51, 56, and he's doing what he's doing right now with LA. So it's just like it was a really good draft. So it doesn't surprise me that much that Mobley is playing this well. But like Malik said, it's different from expectation and expecting someone to be good and then seeing them play like even above that level. So yeah, definitely you know kind of jaw dropping to see Mobley. Like Malik said, when Sexton went down. It opened, it opened things, things up for DG, uh, and DG's really, really taken, taken off and kind of been the player that we expected him to be mm-hmm. coming out of uh, Bandy, even though he only played like five games over there. I know, and he called him Bandy, and then Michael Porter Jr. is like a Mizzou kid. It's like, okay, we got to, we got to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, noted Duke, Duke Blue Elf. DJ, he's another, uh, another Tracy McGrady guy. Him and, him and Cam Reddish, Reddish, those are the two, two Trace Trace McGrady guys, guys that people, people were talking about coming out of high school and college, college and stuff. But, but. Well, people are still saying that Cam has a little bit of Trace McGrady in him. Well, he, 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 I'm not going to lie. He kind of has, has like a lot of those like, tendencies. Uh, his jump shot, like mm-hmm. when it's going, it's so uh, the pull-up mm-hmm. and the mechanic. When it, when switches. it switches, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, like kind of the little things, things or whatever that remind you. you. You're trying to go back. I like this. People have to listen to the whole pod to get the full Cam Reddish experience oh, yeah. uh, to understand where we're coming from. Because we've done a complete, we've done a complete 180. Because when he was, all right, never mind, never mind, never mind. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like I said, like I've been following them last year and stuff, and I knew how good this draft class was. So it didn't surprise me at all. And you know. People forget, People forget, like, like Rubio, Rubio was on the uh, the, the bubble sun, you know, who went nine and you know what I'm saying? saying? So, like, like Rubio's, Rubio's been, been that guy, guy whatever. whatever. He's just he been, been on, on, you know, some, some kind of bad teams, teams with Minnesota, Minnesota and everything like that. So, people haven't been paying attention, but he's been that dude. So, you know, like, like everything that happened this season, it was kind of expected from my point. Everybody called me crazy, but you know, haha, nah, nah, boo boo. But it does suck, like, after shaking. I'm not the in the first half. <laughs> oh man um well there you go last thing and we'll wrap up here guys uh rashad your biggest storyline that you've enjoyed monitoring of late that you're excited to monitor over the coming days in the nba is what 
biggest story of mine that I'm monitoring. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie coming, coming back. back. Okay. I'm not all that interested. Just, I just I want to see, see if it affects anything, anything, if it changes anything. I just don't want to give... The, uh, do you, it feels weird. Like, I'm going to feel guilty. I know I'm going to feel guilty when I watch the Nets with Kyrie, where it's just like, like, like what are we doing they, here? Like, like, like they, they gave, gave in, in and they yes. let win, win? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly what they, what they did. did. They gave they in and they won. won. <laughs> but did so, anyone... It's just the, the hollowness of all of it, and I don't know. It's just a very uncomfortable look at uh, at the present time. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand him. him like, like, Because he, he was practicing, practicing with them, with right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't, wasn't he, like, like not, allowed not allowed to practice? practice? Like, like isn't, isn't, wasn't that, that kind of a part of it? I thought that was, too. He can practice at the camp practice in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. But, but, uh, dang. dang. I, guess I guess that's what, that's, that's, that's like, the thing that I'm looking, that I'm looking forward, forward to most. It's like, like how is this going to go? go? Malik, what about you? All right, so you said, Kyrie, I don't want to go back to the hall. Um, I'm gonna say the Pacers. I, I want to see when they're gonna blow it up because it's time. Mm. <laughs> People are way too interested in what the Pacers do if they blow up. None of these pieces matter. <laughs> there is not one part of me that's interested to see where Sabonis winds up. Like he's what? a good player, but he's not swinging a title for anybody. It's, he'll Miles help somebody Turner? else. It's like Miles Turner's great. Yeah, like young yeah, Dwayne Dedman. I mean, I don't. <laughs> Young Dwayne 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 Dwayne. Dwayne. That's who Miles Turner is. He... <laughs> yeah, don't, come on, don't do Miles Turner like that. Don't do. Uh, Dwayne Dedman has never scored forty. Because he came into the league at thirty-seven. That's not his fault. He was a USC lifer. Was there for a while. Got his PhD. Did his time, Southern California, and then decided to come to the league. Dwayne Dedman's been. He is the Julio Franco of the NBA for me, where you could he, you can look at his age and I'll never believe you. Like I, I'll never believe it. But you that know is a, that is an Atlanta right, reference. Right. Say it again. I mean, so you, you know, know why? why. You, you heard, heard his story, story right? right? Who, Deadman or Franco? Uh, Deadman. No. Like walked into, into a gym, gym like, like never played basketball because he was Jehovah's Witness. He's eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like walked into community, community college, college gym in Southern California. The age, the age of 18, of 18 and, and got a tryout, walked, walked onto on the community the college team, team worked, worked his way up to USC, USC and then and they got, got into the, the NBA. NBA. So, so he, started he started playing, playing basketball, basketball like 11, 11 years, years ago. ago. Isn't that crazy, though? A lot of guys, I mean, Joel and B, just picking up a basketball really late in the process. Like, it's just, we may, like to think, make it seem like it's far more complicated than it is sometimes, where some guys, you're just like, oh, man, they were just always going to be good at this thing uh, if they attempted it like that was just something about the kids of like, like who, are, who are up dribbling at 4 a.m going to the park <laughs> yeah but they're all going there he's giving them like hard hard chest passes <laughs> again you're not gonna get to the league <laughs> like they'll be lucky to like be d3 players yeah Dwayne Dedman's out here just like he stopped at a gym because he was he, he just was like hey I got some time let's see what's going on in here and uh the rest of the <laughs> I'm pretty tall <laughs> Shout out to Dwayne Demon though. I loved his year in Atlanta. I wanted him back. He was a great uh, pick and pop partner with with Trey. Yeah, I love I, I love like going in the locker room after, mm. after the game and just hearing him like talk crap or like crap jokes with everybody else. Like the guy's hilarious too. I got to. That's great. Like he was, was kind of one of the most hilarious dudes on the Hawks around that time. So I got to give it to Dead. 
I only went to, uh, never mind. I'm not going to say this on air. I'm not going to say that on air. Um, <laughs> Rashad, what uh, can the good folks keep up uh, with you uh, across the internet this week? Uh, I don't know what I have coming out this week. Oh, I did, oh, I did have, have a, a, a news story, story come out. Mm-hmm. A 27-year-old whose name is AJ Stewart. He, uh, yeah, he, was, he was stabbed and killed. And killed. I, know I know that's, that's a, dark a dark turn. turn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On a sports spot. No, it's but real. He's, you know, no, he was stabbed and killed, killed over a parking, parking spot, spot in an argument with the white, white man. man. And, and the white man was like, yo, you're, you're, you're parked, parked on my spot and I'm tired of these N-words. He allegedly said this. Tired of these N-words using my parking spot. And he stabbed him in the chest and he's out on bail. So they're looking to get justice right now and raise awareness. It's kind of been an underreported story and case around America. So what's his name? His name is AJ Stewart. Okay. Hmm. Well, there you go. Sorry, that, that was so. Oh, no, sorry. I mean, go check that out. That's real. That's important. That's <laughs> yeah. an important thing to check out. That is good. Um, what about you, Malik? Um. So right now I'm doing like a little daily self care thing for men. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just 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 trying to build mental health within within the, the men uh, men community. So. Uh, like every day I've been, well, I just started yesterday, but today was my second day, and I'll probably go on for however long I can think of a tip for, for men to just take, take better care of their mental health going forward um, in 2022, so definitely check that out. Y'all are doing good work. I like that. Uh, that's a positive spotlight. Uh, good stuff. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, well, go check them out. You got a podcast too. Y'all are on Twitter. Y'all are on all that good stuff. Malik Brown, Rashad Milligan, even though you won't find him under Rashad. It's got that. Let people know. Armchair Hawks. That's where I'll be and I'll be giving all the basketball and Atlanta takes. There you go. Hiding. Hiding with a different name, different logo. Yeah. Even though my name's in the bio. Uh, no one's reading the bio. Who reads bios? Do you read bios? I don't read bios. Rashad Milligan, Malik Brown, thank you so much for making the time tonight. It was great to reconnect with you guys. Uh, don't be strangers, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thank you for having us. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.